Hey guys, listen up. What's up, dude? Beautiful morning, isn't it? Yeah. What day is it? It's Thursday. Well, it certainly seems like Thursday. So nice of you to grace us with your presence. Time for my favorite show. Is it on now? What time is that show again? It's on now. For real? For real. And we're on it now. Okay, here we go. All right, it's showtime. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 The Zone. Welcome in on a Thursday morning. Tonight, the Utah Jazz play the Orlando Magic. Is there any hope? Are they going to compete? Are they going to, I don't know, for lack of a better word, are they going to try? I'm sure they think they're trying, but when their coach talks about, you know, their outlook coming into a game and it's not good enough and, you know, there's too many turnovers and no personal responsibility for that. Not just the actual turnover, but all the things that lead to the turnover, the, the poor spacing, not being in the right place at the right time. I think a lot of that just comes down to the whole mental outlook. Mentally, they're a beaten team. I mean, they can handle the Spurs, and that doesn't look right now like they can handle much more than that. They have lost six of their last seven games, and they just got blown out. So we'll see. See what kind of pride they have. See if they can bounce back. We've seen them do weird things before. We've seen a lot of that this season. And I think in basketball, both college and pro, probably a lot of it comes back to the three. Unpredictable stuff happens. You can't shoot it one night. They can't shoot it one night. You shoot it at a freakish pace one night. They shoot it at a freakish pace one night. I can't really com- explain how BYU lost to a Kansas State team that had lost seven of the last eight games and then turned around and won at Kansas. I mean, I know Kansas was missing their leading scorer, but they'd won three out of four without their leading scorer. So they're still pretty good. And BYU had also been embarrassed by the last place team. So Kansas could have won it. But BYU shot the three really well. Kansas barely shot it at all. So these things happen. So we'll see what the Jazz come up with on paper. It doesn't look like it should be any good, but... We've been surprised many times. Maybe we'll be surprised tonight. Who knows? Uh, we got a question up on the Facebook page. Different topic. Football. <clears throat> the Jets have given Zach Wilson permission to pursue a trade. Where should he want to go? I mean, there are two ways this works. They find a trade they like. They bring it back to the club. The club is able to execute it. Uh, then the plan, the other, the other opportunity here is uh, they can't find a trade and the club cuts him. Then there's another opportunity where they find a trade they like, but the Jets don't really like it, and they cut him. <laughs> so that would be 2A and 2B, really. It still ends up with Zach being a free agent and going wherever he goes. So whether he goes as a free agent and signs somewhere, whether he gets traded somewhere that he orchestrates, where should he want to go? Because there's several paths that come to the same place that you get where you want to go. Who will want him? Who should he want to be wanted by? Who might look at him and think, man, the Jets. I mean, New York, combine the Jets and Giants together. In the last 10 years, the last 20 years, the last 30 years, how many good quarterbacks have those two developed? Those two clubs. Eli Manning, for sure. Absolutely. Giants won two Super Bowls with him. (coughs) Get beyond that. Yeah, slim pickings. So in 60 seasons of football over 30 years with those two clubs, maybe New York isn't the right place to be. Demanding immediate success, demanding immediate greatness, and not having patience for anyone who doesn't achieve that quickly. 
Maybe Patrick Mahomes could have gone there and flourished. Maybe he needed to be paired with Andy Reid, right? Who knows? So take all these factors into consideration. You're not getting drafted here. Zach Wilson got drafted to the Jets. That's the way it goes. There were plenty of people in Utah who said, oh, no, not the Jets. Because they do have this lousy history developing quarterbacks. And they do look like a dysfunctional organization. And their owner is crazy. Okay, well, pick an owner who isn't crazy. Pick an organization that isn't dysfunctional. I guess you would pick one that, pick one that is functional. Who brings quarterbacks along? Who has good offenses? Who has an offensive mind at head coach or has a former quarterback at head coach, right? We had Steve Young on. And I think he said what a lot of BYU fans were already thinking. There's only 31 options here for when he leaves the Jets. Where should he want to go? And I think a lot of you identify, and a lot of people in the media too, identified exactly what Steve went to. He went right to the Rams. They They do have a recent history of winning. They do have a successful quarterback in Stafford. They do have an, a coach who is an offensive uh, mind and who is uh, respected for his creativity and all that, and they won a Super Bowl. Go there, especially because Stafford is older, and whether it's injury or it's age, uh, I think we can all see a path to playing time there. <clears throat> now, what if the Rams have other plans? Then where? You know, certainly Kansas City and San Francisco have good quarterbacks have head coaches who are known as offensive minds and have organizations that win a lot. They've met in the Super Bowl twice in the last five years and win a lot of games. Now, they also have quarterbacks in their 20s, so there's no clear path to playing at those teams, but you can go there. You can learn a lot, rejuvenate your career. There's always a chance of injury that opens the door for you. You know, maybe that's the next tier. I think a place like Minnesota is interesting. O'Connell's the head coach there. He's a former college quarterback. Uh, They've had a good offense. They have an older quarterback. He's hurt. Now, he's a free agent. Is he going to re-up or not? Um, Are you going to have someone to learn from there? Do you want to compete? That's an interesting question. What's Zach's mindset? Is he willing to be a backup and learn, or does he want to go somewhere and have a chance to compete? I mean, I think there's some situations he really has to avoid. You know, there's a lot of dumping on the Jets around here, but it's not like they're the only team that's struggling. If he goes somewhere like the Raiders, what have they won in the last 20 years? How many good quarterbacks have they had in the last 20 years? Um, you know, they, they basically got a, a, a rookie head coach learning the ropes in the NFL. I, <laughs> that, that'd be a bad idea. That just looks like Jets part two to me. Um, we can run through some of the other options. You know, there's a lot of them, and a lot of them could be intriguing and might work and might not. And a lot of this, as Steve Young said, will be on Zach. So we'll see how that goes. We got to take a break right now. When we come back, we have to talk a little basketball. Tim Lacombe and Greg Rubel coming up. Tim next. Stay with us. JPK, it's 97.5 The Zone. It's time to talk basketball with Tim Lacombe, former BYU assistant. Now you hear him on the jazz pre-half and post-game shows. Tim brought to you in part by Sphere. And are you a business owner? You have better things to do than job hunt or scramble to find your next great hire. Let Spherian staffing and recruiting do it. Visit Spherian online at spherian.com slash Utah. Tim, good morning. Good morning. Welcome back. Thank you. I imagine, 
I imagine the uh, Cougar coaches and the Jazz coaches are waking up with a very different uh, feeling this morning. And you've probably woken up with that feeling in the uh, pit of your stomach after a horrific loss. And you've wo- and you have awakened just coming off the glorious high of a big, big road win. The roller coaster that is coaching. Oh yeah, roller coaster that's coaching. Um, you know you, <laughs> the, the the euphoria that sort of deal that happens from time to time. And man, you soak that in. I I would imagine there was a throng of people at the airport last night in Provo. Um, I am a little tired. Yeah. yeah. Did you fly down there? I drove down there. I wanted to welcome him oh, back. Okay. Yeah, I just wonder if it, your your arms are tired or you're just fatigued. Ayo. No, no, I I just put in my uh, got my Rambler on and in my car and I drove down there. I love it. I yeah. So it was yeah, big win there. You know, I don't know if the NBA if a, a a bad loss if you even feel it anymore. There's so many games, but um, it was definitely the tale of two. <laughs> Two two nights there. Um, I was doing high school games, so it was kind of funny just to sit back and watch the scores. And man, to win the first time you you go into the fog was pretty cool. Yeah, their free free throw defense uh, for the Cougars was just absolutely awesome. Kansas nineteen of thirty one, uh, and and they played without their best scorer. I get that, but to me, that's just inexcusable do you do you think and how much do you think that you know that's a mental thing thinking that when you go into the arena as you're walking in you're kansas you're at home you don't lose there you're playing a team that you know decent team for sure but it's really struggled on the road here of late the last couple of saturdays beating teams that they should on paper be better than and getting beat double digits in both games so i'm wondering if kansas just was a little bit off mentally and didn't bring the kind of intensity and focus that they needed because as they look at the opposition thinking maybe we got this? Um, Probably a little bit of everything, I would imagine. I mean, not to have, you know, McCullers, they have not been as good without him. Um, No doubt. They, but at the same time, like you said, it was, it was the confines of a very friendly place to them. Um, From my you know, everything I heard, the officials tried to help them. Um, and, you know, they just went at the line 1931, and, and you're going you're gonna to pay the price and you miss that many free throws at home. Uh, I think part of it, too, is and I think BYU really put pressure on them. They were in the game the whole time. Um, you know, it's awesome when you're in that arena. I, I think back to when we beat Gonzaga that year. At third place, they were undefeated. They were number one in the country. And, you know, we went in there. We actually got down really bad early. But uh, you get a game close, particularly in the second half, in a place like that where where teams don't lose. And, man, things get tight. You can actually feel it, you know. And I would imagine BYU kind of felt that last night. Three-game win streaks are really hard to come by in the Big 12. As much as we can say, hey, they were missing their big dog, and they were, when they had them earlier, they didn't win three in a row in conference either, and that's just kind of the nature of the Big 12. And I wonder emotionally, Kansas playing Oklahoma and Texas for the last time before they take off, 
those aren't the best teams in the league. Houston and Iowa State are, but I bet it still got played up and there was a lot of emotion around those games and just beat those teams. So in a way, maybe it's set up for BYU too. Yeah, hey, regardless, you, or should I say in tribute, irregardlessly. Nice. Irregardless. I like irregardlessly. Uh, Go with that. <laughs> yeah, that's even better. That just adds to the narrative. It does. It does. Irregardlessly, <laughs> I kind of fell into that one. Um <laughs> They won the game. They went on the road at Kansas, um, and it's just a man. It's a it's a big deal. It's a very big deal. Um, you know, kind of solidifies their their tournament chances and and their seed. You know, that's a big win for seeding. So all all the way around, just a glorious win. Probably one of the best wins in the history of that place and there's been a lot of good ones so uh, big time congratulations to coach pope and the team and um excited to watch this team in march i think the big 12 is the best thing that's ever happened to byu basketball what do you think i do too uh, i mean it's been a it's been a, a big you know it's been cyclical obviously the, the fall from and having to leave the mountain west you know, a conference that was a really good basketball conference that, you know, BYU really worked hard to kind of become the king of. Um, and, you know, the WCC was definitely kind of a, it's almost like you're going 75 miles an hour and you hit a concrete barrier. Um, but I think BYU's back in a place where they're unique. Um, they play a unique brand. I think that has been one of the big revelations and something you got to give coach Pope and BYU a ton of credit. They, they went into this league and realized they had to be different and had to play different. And last night they outscored Kansas, what 30 from three. Um, And that's, it's really paid off to be able to shoot that many threes, you know, every night and um, you know, outscore Kansas last night from three big time. Fantastic win, and now you follow it up with TCU, who at eight and seven has the exact same conference record, and at nineteen and nine is only one game worse overall, and has a sixty-eight sixty-seven win over Houston. So, uh, just welcome to the Big Twelve, and uh, and momentum doesn't last very long in this league. Going back to three-game winning streaks and all that. No, I, I really like the way that uh, you know it, it, it's a test every night. Um, you've got another great coach coming in, Jamie Dixon, who uh, has been doing this a long, long time, and he's got his team playing good. But the Marriott Center is a different place for all these teams, and they'll, they'll kind of see that when they, you know, when they they enter the confines. But I think um, I think that win really, you know, last night it takes a ton of pressure off. I think again, seeding was a big deal. I'm hoping last night kind of punched the ticket to be able to get because I think BYU's had a magical year. They should be able to play close to home. Um, So now it just comes down to winning a couple of these games, and I think they'll take care of TCU. Um, It's been a team, this team has not, they struggled on the road just to get their traction, but this team's been competitive most every night. So particularly at home, get this thing. And now I really do believe you're just playing for seeding. You go into a tournament probably for the first time that like without any doubt you don't have to win a game. Like, I don't think BYU 
there's any pressure. Um, so finish these games off here, beat TCU, play for seeding. When you were coaching, as you said, you've had some big wins. Uh, Gonzaga comes to mind, obviously. Uh, what does the coach do, though, to put it behind you? Because it's all well and good. It's nice. Celebrate wildly. But it's just you know another win in that way because the season is not close to being done. So you got to get past it, and you somehow got to move on uh, to be able to be prepared for the next one. So there's no in terms of, uh, you know, talk about losing teams uh, getting beat twice because they have that hangover, but there's a possibility of a winning team, too, not having that focus. So how do you do that to make sure, great, but you still got other games to go? It really comes down to, you know, the pulse on your team, um, the culture, uh, and then just human nature. I mean, I think it's human nature to, um, you know, have a big win and, and, and enjoy it. Um, but I, I have not seen this team not prepared. I've, I've not seen this team come out and not be ready. So I think that speaks to culture. Um, obviously last night, I'm sure they just loved it. And, you know, by the sounds of it, you know, PKU being down there, the, the airport must mm-hmm. have been just crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was. I was passing outsider to, I was just randomly hugging. I was like the jazz after their game last night uh, with the uh, Atlanta Hawks. I was just hugging everybody in sight. Yeah, no doubt. So I would imagine uh, all that being said, that folks got these guys primed and ready this is a very, very strong group of guys who you can tell um, they, they just want to win. You know, there's been a couple of years, you know, a group of these guys did not have great years. They finished, you know, as poorly in the WCC as any team ever had at BYU. So to flip that around, the guys existing that were there and just go to work and grind it out, uh, really impressive. Go to work and grind it out. Not something we can say about the Utah Jazz. They have now been blown out by 20 points or more 10 times on the road this year. How many speeches are left when you're a coach? What do you say? What do you do? Who can you move in or out of a lineup or take playing time away from? How do you get the message through when it feels like the team's just looking at the finish line, just trying to get there? And there have been a bunch of these beatings over the course of the year on the road. There have. Um you know, I think that obviously since the deadline, there's going to be um, you know, going to be nights where the team just does not function well. There's a bunch of uh, and I saw last night Keontae really struggled to shoot the ball um, in a lot of minutes. And so, again, I think it's been clear this is a developmental time for some of the young guys. Um, they are in a a period of time where, I mean, last night I was really shocked to see because Atlanta has not been very good. Um, so, yeah, I think it's – the NBA is a different beast. Um, you know, you talk about winning and losing and reacting. Uh, the games, they, they fly at you so quickly um, that, you know, I, I, akin to college, I just think you're talking about different things, wins and losses. Um, but right now – there's no doubt in my mind that this is a period of time where the Jazz are trying to accomplish a couple of different things. You know, winning games, um, important, but development, getting guys reps, getting guys evaluated, 
probably more important right now. And I agree with that, but I got to see a better competition. I mean, they were never in that game. They came out and sucked right from the start. And I, I just think that, that that that's just not good. And I can spin it. I can be positive all you want, but it's all fake. And listeners don't want to hear fake. They want to hear real. Uh, I mean, what can they do to make sure that they're at least competitive? We're not asking for a whole lot here. And right from the start, they were not competitive. You know, I, I don't know for sure. I Maybe you could release a bear in the locker room um, just to create a frenzy. Send me. <laughs> I'm ready to go. I wouldn't mind going um, to Orlando. Put me on a plane. Yeah, are you? Would you be the caged animal? Just release you. You can crawl around like Gollum and make a scene. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, I was around Majerus for a decade. <laughs> you know how to. You know how to. You know how to create a little uh, excitement, don't you? Yeah. Yes, I learned the tricks. I heard them all. <laughs> I mean, and I'm being facetious, but I don't really. You know, I've never coached in that league. It's a different animal, and I'm with you. I did. Unfortunately, I was watching, or fortunately, I was watching. I was watching two really good high school games where both teams sold out, and both teams really wanted to play. Um, and I think sometimes you run into that a little bit in the NBA too. Um, you know, saw some of the veteran shooting numbers. I mean, Clarkson's on a really he's he's really struggling right now. He's two for ten. Um, you know, I saw that. Sexton had more shots than Markinen. You know, I can only look at the box because I didn't get to see the game. But some of those things, you know, just got they've got to figure out. And um, when this team's good, they play a certain way. Um, they play competitive, engaged, and locked in on the defensive side. And then when things slip, you know, they get a little ISO happy. Shots are not as uh, measured. And, you know, guys kind of get out on their own. And again, not seeing the game yet, can't speak to it, but looking at the box would tell me some of those things probably happen. I want to go back to releasing a bear in the locker room. Where did that come from? Who told you that first? That's good. I like that. I like the visual. It'll get the adrenaline. I don't know. I, I, adrenaline I thought we were on I thought we were on radio. I certainly paid homage to the um you know, the Jackie Moon because <laughs> they released the bear in the arena. You guys remember that, right? You saw that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I follow you. Okay. Does DJ, did you, DJ, I did did not, you see that movie? I did not, Semi-Pro? but I, I, fig- I figured that I did not see that, no. Okay, you have an assignment. <laughs> Watch Semi-Pro in some of your free time. Okay. I don't know when you're going to crack that with soccer and everything else, but find Semi-Pro. <laughs> they release a bear in the arena. It's hysterical. I had the opportunity the other night to speak with uh, Craig Smith, the University of Utah basketball coach, and he suggested yes. that we go out for lunch so I could tell him some of Jerry's stories. What would you say would be the top two or three that I should tell him? Well, I think the AD one's always good. The what? Say that again? The athletic director one where, you know, it was early on in my tenure, but the AD at Utah would come in from time to time to watch practice. Uh-huh. Sit about 10, 12 rows up. Yeah. And Majerus would be known to stop practice and say, bring it in. And he'd have a little chat with everybody. You remember those, right? I do. All right, you know, we'll bring it in. So this particular time, just serendipity would say that we kind of convened very, very close to about 12 rows up and the AD was with an earshot. And Majerus said, 
you know, you just got to really try hard in life, guys. You know what I mean? Because, you know, you try hard, you get what you want. You know, you don't try hard. You know, it's kind of like really good coaches coach. Really bad coaches become ADs. (laughs) (laughs) I had not heard that one. (laughs) Yeah, he runs the show. And he he just likes likes to let people know he did this well, but. That was that's a good one to probably tell Coach Smith. <laughs> okay. Perhaps he could try it out. No, <laughs> after a few more wins, <laughs> you got to win more yeah, to say well, that. Yeah, you, you, you need you, to win you more to say stuff that like that. And use it right. Yeah, timing is everything. Yeah, that was a good one. I don't know if I even told you that one, Deej. I had not heard that one. That's a new one. And we've talked a lot this I year. Know. Haven't we? I know. During jazz games, but, uh, a lot of chuckles. You gotta be you gotta be relieved you were doing a high school game last night. You had to look at that score and think, Yeah, if I were gonna be doing a high school game, this was the right one. Well, I look the first thing I do, and you know you can relate to this, this is my first miss of the year. Um but this high school thing has become something I love to do. It's just fun every year to take a little pause and go watch these guys battle. But I looked at the score, first thing I did was look at the score, I was like and and then I looked at the time how long it took to play the game, and that wasn't so bad. So I figured, you know, Jake had the aesthetic issue, but at the same time, the brevity, that always helps. <laughs> All right, we'll leave it right there, Tim. We appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the rest of the high school tournament. Uh, more semifinals tonight and finals on Friday. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Yeah, you guys are the best. See you. There's Tim Lacombe from the Jazz Pre, Half, and Post Game Shows. Greg Rubel, the voice of the Cougars, on the win at Kansas, next. DJ PK, it's time to bring in Greg Rubel, radio voice of BYU. Greg, good morning. DJ, PK, good day. (laughs) (laughs) It is a good day. So I was leaving uh, St. George. I had to be an event down there uh, for work. Like uh, I got out of there at like 7. Well, I left. The event was still going, but I got to leave at like 7.30, 7.45. I'm driving back, and I'm flipping around on the radio, and sure enough, I find Rebel and Durant in the post-game show for a solid hour. That was awesome. You got me halfway across the state pretty much. <laughs> and uh, and you were talking about the greatest wins, and I'm thinking, well, I shouldn't argue with Greg Rebel about the greatest Cougar wins, but I think a lot of us went straight to Kansas and beating undefeated Gonzaga when they were number one right at the end of the regular season. I didn't think there was anything compared to those two. Now that you've had a little time to, you know, calm down, think about it, are those the top two, and what is the order? You know, they're, they're regular season games, and, and the biggest games generally, you know, happen in the postseason when you're either winning a tournament or advancing mm-hmm. in a tournament. Uh, but, you know, it, it BYU doesn't have a lot of those, you know, deep advancement-type situations, and so, you know, wins in the round of 32 against Gonzaga to get to the Sweet 16, those kinds of games, you know, come to mind or, or you know, or, or record-setting games like, you know, Jimmer going for 52. But in terms of just monumental in the moment, even though they were regular season games and didn't win BYU a title or anything, I, I think those two, 
I, I kind of rise to the top. And and although that that Marriott Center experience was unforgettable with uh, with the fans on the floor and and it you know it was like the last big moment before COVID, right? So it had a, an additional kind of poignancy to it. Um, and kind of a bittersweetness, though, too, right? Because that, that team didn't get to go anywhere. And, and this team has still has so much in front of it. And you did it in basically, you know, the home of college basketball, let's say. I mean, the first coach of Kansas basketball was Dr. James Naismith. Right. So, you know, when, when you go into a place, you know, that, that, that has basically the sport, you know, uh, you know, wafting through its rafters, um, it, it's tough to think of anything kind of bigger in the moment than what occurred last night. I mean, Bill Self averages less than one home loss per year. Right? That was his 18th home loss in his 21st season. He has more conference championships, regular season championships as a head coach than he has home losses at, at Allen Fieldhouse for his career. So, so doing what BYU did was, uh, you know, it's not incomparable, very rare, and, and for BYU to do it in its first season in the Big 12, you know, coming off a rough day on the weekend, um, doing it in as energized an environment as I've ever experienced. Mark and I were in the belly of the beast last night, and, and our crowd mic was, was useless. You didn't need the crowd mic because our headset mics picked up more noise than we could handle. Mark, after the game, said, you got any ibuprofen? Because his head was ringing. Uh, after last night, and and it, it, and he he described it, and we talked about it a bit on post game too, DJ. That he felt like he was in a movie at one point. Yeah, I would say that he lo- he, lo- he looked around, and the throng like it's it's sixteen thousand three hundred, but it's packed into a building that might typically seat ten or eleven thousand people if you've got actual seats. But the building is almost all bleachers, so it is such a throng packed into a really confined space. And it was pulsating. People were jumping, and the screaming is nonstop. And it's just, he, he used the word that was a movie. And it felt like you were in it, like you were in the final scene of Hoosiers almost. And, and you look up into the building, and it's, and it's that old-style bricks and steel, and, and, and the banners are all almost like, like hand-painted. And it's, it's just, yeah, I'll never forget last night, guys. And, <laughs> and so, yeah, for today, you know, it's right up there. I don't know the order, DJ, you wanted the order. But because of where it came and, and how it came and, and just a legendary name and building and origin of the sport, it's tough to top. I thought you guys did a good time, a good job filling time until Coach Pope got out there. It took a while. Uh, because... Well, he had, he had about you know three or four national interviews. Yeah, to try and oh, I saw. Into, so I, and then I turned, on, I turned on the television and it was uh, I saw him doing uh, uh, basketball, whatever it's called, <laughs> on uh, ESPN2, I think it was. Uh, I was real interested in what he had to say with his emphasis on the faith. And he yeah. even went into, you know, a little, got a little Bronco-ish there with the, with the religion, uh, which, you know, is fine. And I mean, that's who he's working for. No problem there. Uh, but I, I was fascinated with his idea of talking about the faith. And, and you talk to him uh, virtually after every game and you do a, a coach's thing with him in the week. I'm, I don't uh, – profess to to listen to all of them uh but what did you make of his uh his emphasis on the faith and, and all that stuff that he was getting at because i thought it was interesting well the, there's a broader emphasis on on the faith that comes via the faith-based institution part of what he's talking about and and it's great to embrace and lean into that and describe what makes byu special and unique for a lot of his players but there's also you know, taking off of that, the faith that the players have in each other, 
now and and the faith they have in their potential or abilities and and so it, it's two kinds of faith working with right. this program right now and and so i i think they, they both mold pretty well together uh, how this is a team now built on belief it's a team built on beliefs plural and a team now built on belief and and that's what i think has emerged from this season uh, to this point and 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 Mark is happy to spread that message too. I mean, BYU is a very unique school, and and he is more than happy to you know spread the message of of why it is a little different in in the world of college athletics. And and I think he's doing a great job of of balancing every part of his of his role that way. Um, and he spoke about it too. He caught this maybe a little bit PK, and he didn't want to get into details about it. But he said there were some things that happened tonight in the room. Um, at least my, my, my perception of it was of a spiritual nature yeah, that, that yeah. resonated in, in a way that he didn't really necessarily want to come out publicly with, but something that might have galvanized his group and maybe they can lean on moving forward. So that was kind of cool to hear about, too. I was wondering if Jimmer appeared or something. Hmm. Rock solid toughness by you, Greg. I was waiting for some kind of reaction. You gave it a hmm, and then you just drew the line. That was rock solid mental toughness from you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I've, I've had to do that, and it's not as easy as some people might think. So, bravo to you. Thank you very much. You know, I, 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 that I, was I've, excellent. I've come to I've, I've come to embrace a a, 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 a mantra over time. Uh, when in doubt. Leave it out. So kinda, <laughs> there it is. I just kind of sat there. Yeah, yeah. Good, good job by you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yep. I want to go back to what you said about the faith in each other because college basketball has always been a little transitory, right? JC kids were only there two years. BYU dealt with transfers. Kids might play for a year, and then they're gone for two on a mission, and by the time they come back, you know, two-thirds of the team is different. And now with the transfer portal, that's just heat up. So how do you get that connection, especially when guys are getting hurt and they're in and out of the lineup, key players? You know, when Foose is out, that that's a big loss. He provides something that's hard to replicate on this roster. So how do you build those connections so you can get big wins in tough times on the road? Well, I, I think your question uh, begets another question, which is, how does a middle-of-the-pack WCC team one year become a top-tier team in the toughest basketball conference in the country the next year? And, and the key is almost everybody came back intact, and there wasn't the transitory phase BYU had to go through. They added a very key piece in Ali Khalifa, and I think, and Coach Pope, I heard him on a different interview last night talking about he's unlocked an additional 30% to BYU's offense that wasn't there before. I mean, how, how big is that, right? To have one guy come in and give you a whole new way to play, right? And, and so they add Ali Khalifa, but that's the only new piece to the puzzle. Now, we have to note that they, they re-included uh, uh, Trevin Nell, who was part of the program for years but didn't play last year due to an injury. So Trevin becomes active, but Ali's the only new piece and BYU did what few teams do, which gets to your original question, DJ, is they got old. Now, you could make the joke about BYU and old, but the teams and coaches say that's what you want to do. You want to be able to get old, and it's so hard to do now, right? It's also possible to retain groups that stay together for two and three and, well, heaven forbid, four years. But a lot of these guys are those guys on this BYU team. And so BYU did what so few teams can do, which is get old. And that lone factor. You know, is as responsible for going middle of the pack WCC to top tier Big 12 one year later. A lot of the same guys, but they now know so much more. 
uh, about each other, are able to play better with each other. Um, Coach Pope talks about the addition of a new offensive element in Ali Khalifa, uh, adding to the package. That's a huge part of it, too. And, yes, they adopted what Coach Pope calls a a hyperbolic approach to the three-point shot. You know, they were going to be an outlier. And and, and that was the other thing, too, guys. And maybe this also helps answer your question, uh, DJ. You can't just out Big 12 the Big 12. The the, the teams do things – that BYU not, can't necessarily go out and replicate top to bottom, but they can be very different and extremely different in this one way, be more reliant on the three than any other team. And the storyline going into last night, and the reason I thought BYU had a really legitimate shot was, if BYU does what it does well, and Kansas does what it does well, BYU's well can outdistance KU's well because you're exchanging threes for twos. It's not a part of KU's game. They made three threes last night. Well, that's kind of like that's who they are. And BYU made 13 threes, and that's kind of who they are. But who BYU is on that kind of night can win a game, and that's what happened last night. That faith aspect that Coach Pope was bringing up, and he knows what he was getting at probably better than us, but faith in yourself, faith in belief. Dallin Hall, 1 for 10, 0 for 5 from 3 the game before. To have the wherewithal to take that step back three, wow, and to make just to just to even launch it, I thought took some faith, but to make it in that situation, and there was a lot of big shots. Jackson Robinson, Waterman hit a big three, but I thought Hall, given the fact that he was one for ten, zero for five from three, just a prior game, to still have the confidence to take that, I just thought that was incredible. Yeah, over 100 Dickinson, and, and BYU was getting those switches a lot last night and, and, and actually doing a really nice job with them. And that last one, the most notable, um, I, I tweeted out a, a short time ago, um, Dallin's numbers, assist-to-turnover numbers, beyond his scoring, his assist-to-turnover numbers in BYU's wins in the Big 12, and, and they're remarkable. I mean, he, he is so good. If he's that good, BYU's likely winning the game, and that's kind of how it's been. You bring up the, the K-State loss, and – and it's also notable, PK, that, that after each of BYU's last four Big 12 losses, they've won the very next game. And, and the Big 12 is not a really easy bounce-back league. Uh, in BYU's previous league, if you have a tough loss, there's probably a, 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 an easier W coming around the corner. Well, you don't necessarily look at your BYU, your, your Big 12 schedule that way. And so, you know, to bounce back time and again, uh, and this time to do it on the road. The previous bounce-backs had happened at home. But to go from K-State to Kansas and, and still get that bounce back win is also uh, pretty remarkable. And, and that's what this team is kind of, you know, showing us to be kind of a hallmark is, is resiliency. Um, you know, they, they don't go on losing streaks. You know, they haven't lost more than two games in a row in Big 12 play. And they're, they're 15 games into this league right now. And, and so you can't keep them down for very long. And uh, that, that's a nice thing to be able to lean on uh, if, if you're a coach of this team. Eddie Money, you can't keep a good man down? Is that where you're going? We'll go there. Sure, why not? Yeah. Sure, <laughs> I, you know, you know, I, I embrace the classic rock. <laughs> you mentioned uh, three-game losing streaks. There haven't been very many three-game winning streaks in this league. The top teams, Houston and Iowa State, have done it. I actually think Baylor has. Kansas hasn't. They're really hard to come by. And I'm wondering now if you go into the whole thing about you know, the faith in themselves, the faith in each other, and they're building on it and they figure something out at Kansas. Can they put one together now? Can they eliminate the Oklahoma State where it seemed like they just had nothing going and it didn't make any sense 
and they got beat pretty soundly by the team that's uh, you know battling to stay out of last place. So they eliminated those. Can we see a win streak going forward? Acknowledging those yeah. are hard in the Big 12, very hard to do. Yeah, B- BYU was one of, I think, I, four or five teams that had neither won nor lost more than two games in a row um, going into this week. And, and yeah, it'd be nice to go on a little bit of a mini run uh, at the end, but uh, you've got TCU at home, and then you go right to Ames. And, and Iowa State's you know, one of the last two teams now in this conference that hasn't lost a home game. Uh, yet in league with with Houston and Iowa State. In fact, they're they're two of the top winning streak teams in the country right now at home. So, you know, whether or not a run emerges or not, if BYU were to finish, you know, at 500 in their first year in in the Big 12 uh, or a game above 500, you know, that that's certainly good enough uh, to give yourself a favored seat in the NCAA tournament. I think BYU's almost, it's not mathematical yet, but but they're pretty much set at, at avoiding that, that first round game in Kansas city on that Tuesday. And I'm sure that everyone thought first year in the big 12, you're going to be you know, probably, you know, in, in that opening day game. And that's not going to be the case. BYU is going to avoid that opening day and get themselves at least a single buy. And they're actually in the running for the double buy. I mean, they're, they're tied for fifth and, and the top four teams get the double buy. That's a pretty big ask because, you know, you, you, you've got Iowa state in Ames next week. Uh, but man, if you just want it at, at Allen Fieldhouse, you know what, what's not reasonable at this point, or, or hopeful at this point. So, I'm just excited for the last week and a half of league to see how this thing shakes out. And if BYU can get itself a single buy, they'll have done a heck of a lot uh, more than people thought they would do uh, in their first year in the Big 12. Going big picture, I contend, and BYU's had a lot of good things happen to it over the years in basketball. That the Presence and membership in the Big 12 is literally the best thing that has happened to BYU basketball. What's your response? Yes. Uh, rising tide lifts all boats. Iron sharpening iron. Uh, choose your cliche uh, or adage. They all seem to apply. Uh, BYU got tougher by playing in a tougher league, just simply put. And, and there's a different kind of pressure in the Big 12 than there was in the WCC. In, in the WCC, the pressure was to avoid the season-crippling loss. And you went into most of your games knowing that that loss would be a bad loss. And that's not the way it is in the Big 12. And that changes a team's perspective and outlook and the way they play. You, you, you don't want to play with, with the fear, right? You want to play with the hope. And, and, and the WCC was primarily a fear-based league. It just was. You had a couple games a couple teams that you'd get a reward from and the rest were all risk. You risk losing and hurting your resume and tumbling out of the postseason. That was the reality in the big 12. You don't play with that fear. You play with the hope and you play with the reward. WCC was mostly risk, little reward and big 12 is mostly reward and little risk is the best way to put it. Um, And and so it, you know, a a bad day is never really that bad a day in the big 12 because the team you lost to, um, you know, let's say it's K-State, well, that's a top 75 net or Ken Palm team anyway. That's still a good basketball team that, that opened the year 4-1 and one in the Big 12. So e- even the losses that hurt never hurt you too much. But if you wander into you know, Firestone Fieldhouse and have a bad night, that can really hurt you. Yeah, but you had a good view, though. Yeah, that was always the saving grace. <laughs> I had, but I had more, more, more bad nights than I care to remember in that place. It was a weird deal. 
Well, six road games in California in the middle of a winter was always a good deal, but the quality competition now is off the charts, and that's fun. Yeah, and what the, the I, travel, the travel's tough. And by the way, we get out of the gym last night, and it's like a mini blizzard here. Was it? It, it, it was Mark. Mark Durant was strolling around in shorts yesterday. It was seventy-five degrees, and we get out of the building, and it's swirling snow. And it was bitter cold. It was the most dramatic cold front I've seen sweep in. And so that and that and that's Big Twelve life for you right there. It, it, it's a whole different deal with the weather. And most of your your destinations, you're flying and then driving somewhere. Yeah. And it's already been a bit of an adventure. And I'm sure there are more to come over, over the years ahead. Well, we appreciate your time. Hey, last thing before we let you go, you did throw this out that you got a tour from the guy who is the radio voice of Kansas basketball, and he showed you stuff most people don't get to see. Now, given the fact that the guy who invented the sport was the first coach at Kansas, when I heard that, I was super intrigued. What what did you get to see? What kind of basketball history stuffed away there? Yeah, shout out to Brian Haney. Brian Haney is the voice to Jayhawks, and he's already become a good friend. And one of the cool things about the Big 12, too, a little inside baseball here, is just how collegial the broadcasters are. Um, you know, there was a big group dinner at the Big 12 Media Days. We're having a dinner, all, all, all the play-by-play guys and, and the color guys at the conference tournament coming up here. It's a really tight group, and they bring you into the club and make you feel at home. And that's been a really rewarding thing, too, about the Big 12 as a side note. But Brian uh, took me up into the Kansas basketball offices. And um, as part of our tour, if you will, he did take us to an area that's publicly accessible, which is the original document that Dr. James, James Naismith wrote it's behind glass. Apparently, it cost $4 million to acquire this document, and it's on display, and it lights up, and you actually hear the voice of Dr. James Naismith, the last recorded, uh, the last recording of his voice, um, talking about the game. You see that history. Then he took me into the offices, and he said, Greg, if, if Allen Fieldhouse is a cathedral, this is our, uh, this is our Sistine Chapel. And he, and he shows me this mural. It's a canvas mural on the wall, and this is back in the basketball offices area, not publicly accessible. There's a, there's a mural. It's on canvas, and it, it, it portrays each of the final four programs in Kansas basketball history, hand-painted, and it gets added on to every time they add a new final four group. And it's this massive mural, all expertly painted, and, and it's, it's like a piece of art. It is a beautiful work of art that basically shows you all of Kansas basketball history over a century. Then you go into the actual offices where Coach Bill Self has his area, and you've got the trophy case. I call it the trophy case. It's a trophy room, and you can only imagine how big this room was and how much hardware there was on display for as many things as Kansas has to show. And so this was all part of the day. And, and then you end it with the game, right? And, and you just, you're just overwhelmed by everything you've seen, heard, experienced. And then to get the result at the end of that, pretty incomparable. We appreciate your time. I learned that, and I learned when in doubt, leave it out. So, you know, this has been a really good segment. Well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have been with you. It's always a pleasure. Uh, I know Mark Durant looks forward to the next time he can visit with you. He had some travel plans this morning that uh, made him unavailable. But, uh, you know, I'll be here for you whenever you need me, and uh, always a pleasure, guys. Thanks, Thank Greg. You. There's Greg Rubel. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines right around the corner. It's time to get your morning started with the news you need to know. News update. This is what's trending with DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah Jazz. You know, tomorrow we've got to really refocus and get ready for Orlando. 
And my only concern, the only thing that I care about with our team is that we come with the appropriate, you know, approach to the game. And at tip off, you are shot out of a cannon. Will Hardy didn't like the preparation, didn't like the start in Atlanta, wants something different tonight. But will he get it? The Jazz facing the magic in Orlando. And a quick glance at the standings will tell you Orlando is a more formidable opponent. Okay, I didn't need to look at the standings. Well, there are a couple spots about six and a half games in front of Atlanta. Well, your lips move, but I can't hear what you're saying. Bring it. It's what you said yesterday. Bring it. Tired of blowouts. So many road blowout losses. I realize he's got to get up there and do a perfunctory five or ten minutes. He's got to say something. This stuff is going in one ear and out the other. I'd rather you read scores. Well, we'll get to that. Good. But first. I can't wait. First, the Jazz have got to show up tonight. Well, they don't have to. Could be another 25-point beating. Who knows? We will find out tonight. Second of three games on the road for your Utah Jazz, and you'll hear it right here on The Zone. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Out near the timeline. The Clipper logo. Down by five. LeBron, four and a half to play. Let's fly again. He's got it. Unreal. He couldn't want to show tonight. Dodgett, left baseline, score it with a foul. And he'll go to the line for the and one as he basically fallen out of bounds when he let that shot go. Edwards off the town screen. Gets to the three-point line, circles back out. Left-handed dribble, 13 to shoot, drives it, gets to the cup and dumps it again! 34 in back-to-back games for Anthony Edwards. The Lakers beat the Clippers 116-112 to 112 somewhere. Larry the Laker is laughing. No matter how much better the Clippers get, the Lakers are a problem. The fourth-place Clippers getting beat by the ninth-place Lakers. Will they ever beat those guys, catch those guys, be as popular as those guys, no. win more than those guys? But, I mean, they were winning more than they are now. But, I mean, they're without two starters. Paul George and Zubac didn't play. Denver Nuggets make it four straight wins. They beat the Sacramento Kings, 117 to 96. There you go. Kings had a nice, uh, nice season last year. They were a top three team in the West, and now they are eighth in the West and just two games in front of the Lakers. Looks like the Kings headed for a play-in, but where will they slot in that? The top dogs sail on. Timberwolves beat the Grizzlies, 110-101. They did what they were supposed to do. Any other games catch your eye or matter to you? I saw a stat that I thought somebody like you would love this morning at the gym, that uh, Luca is the first guy to have a 30-point triple-double, so at least 30 points. And obviously the, the other two in the other sports, or as categories, I should say. And he's the first one to have it by scoring at least 30 points on his birthday. 30 points, 11 boards, 16 assists, Dallas. Handles Toronto 136-125. Four years old yesterday. Man. What where is he gonna be when he's done? What position do you put him at? You're a position guy. He's a point guard. So where is he gonna be on the list? Top five. But no higher? 
Could be higher, wouldn't guarantee higher. I would think he'd be at least top five. He's 24 years old. Is he going to have Magic's resume? Is he going to have Steph Curry's resume? Is he going to have Oscar Robertson's resume? Oh, you're leaving out somebody very important around here. Yep. <laughs> so you, at best, you've got Stockton fourth? Yeah. If you had to choose between the two in their prime at 24 years of age, who would you choose? Oh, I'd choose my popularity in Stockton. Now, who would you really choose? I want to choose Luca. He's got a ton of talent. The thing that limits him right now is I don't think he's in great shape and he doesn't play defense. And so I wonder how deep he's ever going to go in the playoffs. And Stockton played in two finals. Will Luca play in two finals before it's over? That's all. That's that's the bar. Two finals. Well, since we're comparing him to Stockton, I mean the bar could be much higher. Can he be a so multi-champion? You're, you're comparing the best player on Dallas to the second best player on the Jazz. Ah, that seems fair. Will there be? Yeah. What kind of teammates <laughs> will he get to play with? That's a bogus comparison. You've got the best over here, and you're comparing him to the second best. Wow. That's quite the standard. You're welcome. I didn't thank you. Where do you think he's going to be when it's all said and done? Number two. I can't see him catching Magic or Steph Curry, so I would think three is as high as he can go. Okay. Really, I threw Oscar in there because I don't view him as higher than fourth. But right, we've got a decade of him to see uh, how this plays out. No, I can count. I mean, I know why you had Oscar in there. That would, that would mean the highest he could be is fourth. Well, he's 25 now, so we're getting to the prime. 24. He was 24. He just turned 25. And then they had the wrong stat. He said on his 24th birthday. Ah. Okay. Well, I'm looking at a thing right here that says he's 25 okay. now. Okay. So. Just telling you what I but saw this morning. Still, he's got a decade to go. Of course, I had anyway. the, the uh, treadmill set at 10.0, so maybe my eyes were a little blurry. <laughs> what are you, Usain Bolt over there? <laughs> Let's go. I haven't got time to jog, people. Oh, you do intervals. You don't do the whole thing. Oh, thank goodness. So you do like 7.0. So when you brought it down 8. to 7.0, you couldn't check the age? It was a 10.0 when you were... Well, I mean, they don't keep it up there that long, the, the stats. You know, they got like, I don't know, 15 yeah, I know. TVs ahead of you. <laughs> above your, you know, you look up. And, I, and when I'm going really fast, I learn don't look anywhere. Oh, really? Oh, I've seen some accidents. <laughs> People flying off the treadmill. Yeah, yeah. Get pretty banged up. Don't need that. Barry Tompkins once went, went flying in Albuquerque. <laughs> <laughs> it's very specific. <laughs> but it's etched in your memory. It is. <laughs> I, thought I hadn't thought of Barry Tompkins in a while. Yeah. Uh, the NBA denied the Knicks' protest of their 105-103 loss to the Rockets. I'm sure you're all shocked. Knicks uh, protested because the uh, crew chief acknowledged that a foul at the end of the game was an incorrect call. The Why are there protests? Chief. Why are there protests? Is it, what has ever been overturned? Oh, I think it's just uh, public relations. Yeah. Type of thing. I don't, I don't care about any regular season game. I, mean, I couldn't even tell you what happened now. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL.
Just got a new coach staff that came in, you know, and like, it's no standard there. It's like everybody do what they want to do, and it's like whatever. Now, granted, the defense have a more of a stabilized standard with that, with the coaching staff on that side. So you could tell the defense got a, a standard, but the offense is just like, all right, we'll just figure it out. It's Aaron show. Let Aaron do what Aaron do, you know what I mean? But then when Aaron go down, it's like, we don't know what to do. That's former Jets receiver McCole Hardman saying the Jets' offensive coaching staff really didn't set standards. Sounds like a free-for-all. Aaron Rodgers was going to run the show, and then suddenly he's hurt and Zach Wilson has to run the show, and it's chaos. So that's McCole Hardman's take. But we have Lack no idea how it would have been with Aaron. I mean, we can let Aaron do what Aaron do, but how do we know it wouldn't have been doo-doo? Nice. <laughs> Just rolled into that. You stepped in that. It's a little stinky. <laughs> Zach Wilson has been granted permission to seek a trade. We got the question today on that topic coming up, so stay tuned on our next segment for that one. Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs ranked 31st in the NFL Players Association annual report card that ranks teams in various categories, ownership, coaching, team facilities, trainers, dining, all kinds of stuff. The Washington Commanders. Texture of toilet paper. Dead last at number 32. Chiefs were 31. Up at the top, it was Miami and Minnesota. Chiefs apparently had old locker room facilities. Stools, not chairs. Told they... Well, they were going to redo it because they did this survey last year. It was the NFL Players Association does it. 1,700 players taking part. And they were going to do it last year, but the Super Bowl run didn't leave them enough time. Well, another Super Bowl run. I guess nothing gets updated in Kansas City. Aren't they getting a new stadium? And baseball's been asking for one. Baseball's working on one, and they're going to move out of that, uh, that Truman Sports Complex thing they have, and they're looking at a location downtown. They've what announced location. I don't think it's... Not I don't football, think it's though? finished. No, I think football's staying there. Uh, well, then they can use the and, Royal Stadium as their and, locker room. And a whole bunch of stuff right across the parking lot. I think their practice facility is right across the parking lot as part of that complex. But they scored number one in coaching. People like playing for Andy Reid. A little down People on like ownership's winning. investment. Yeah, right? The Chiefs releasing Marquez Valdez-Scantling who caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl. The move saves Kansas City $12 million against the cap with free agency around the corner. Waiting to see if the Chiefs will upgrade their receivers. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Connect. Takes a three. Drives, pulls up from the corner, and hits! (laughs) In your face! To Cam Jones, he'll drive in the lane to the basket, tries the layup with his back to the basket, missed it, but it comes out to to Chase Ross. Open three is good! There gotta be a timeout, yep, Kim English calling it out. In the corner, Joplin drives baseline, double team, flips it across into the corner, Chase Ross, open three, good! And the lead is back to 22, Chase Ross. Beautiful set up there by Joplin. Inbound broom mid lane, double teamed up with the left hand, it's good. Ziegler top of the key gives to connect, turns, fires a three, and hits. Money. There's some random highlights from college basketball. My ability to identify them is pretty low. Ohio State beat Michigan in their sort of rivalry game, 67-51. And Oklahoma took down Texas, 71-70, the final score there. Gonzaga, for all their... uh, for all their issues, PK, 
Are they going to make the NCAA tournament this year? I was reading stuff about them yesterday. You think they're in? I don't know. I don't. I don't get into that. You're you're, you're the Lenardi boy. <laughs> yeah, but see the future. <laughs> know how good the players are. Are they going to win? I don't know. I don't give a crap. I don't care about the West Coast Conference. Ah, oh, your loyalty <laughs> gone. You want me to lie? Yes. <laughs> now I do. Earlier I didn't. <laughs> I haven't paid a lick of attention to the West Coast Conference. College basketball this afternoon. The Utah women have a 3 o'clock game with Washington State. Utah just picked up their 20th win, working on 21, trying to get a top-four seed and home court in the first two rounds. Well, they they beat both of the Washingtons on the road by double digits when they played them earlier this year, so I suspect that they'll do it. Yeah. I mean, it's a, a little bit of a doubleheader. Yes, the Utah men will be at home yeah. later on. The Huntsman's very busy. State basketball tournament yesterday. Yeah. State basketball tournament yeah. tomorrow. We're going for another championship. You right are. There, Corner Canyon. He's got the hat on. So sweet. Winning never gets old. <laughs> 89 to 60. Corner Canyon in a round in the semifinals. Took charge of that one early. And then it'll be senior day for uh, both the men and the women. But yeah, I have no idea who the freak a senior is these days. Man, I can't and, wait and, till we get past this. A, can you have a big emotional goodbye for someone who's a uh, transfer and has been there one one year? Because that's also happening at senior days around the country the next two weeks. Understood. Senior days going for uh, players going for, you know, well, a couple of senior I don't days. Know. I, I think you honor them in terms of their um, ability to be in a, in a program, not necessarily, oh, you're a cougar or a ute for life that type of thing yeah. but th- obviously that's going to happen so you're you're kind of honoring the person rather than the honoring the person in this long-standing commitment to the program but you know, it's the reality of the world today if that player helps you win then yeah if you you honor him i mean osabor could just be here for one season yep what a season. <laughs> Stanford is at Utah, 6.30 for the men after the uh, women's game at 3 o'clock. Also tonight, Weaver State, who had a six-game winning streak, but they got beat on the weekend at Idaho State. They are going to try to start another streak to play in Northern Colorado. It was actually uh, pretty good in a game in front of them in the standings now, but they handled Northern Colorado pretty easily over in Colorado. So rematch tonight, Purple Palace, 7 o'clock, ESPN+. Plus. Clemson's basketball coach Brad Brunel believes the Big 12 manipulated the net rankings. Their non-conference schedule, and they're playing 300-level teams and winning by 40 to 50 points increase their efficiency numbers. ACC is actually 9-3 and three against the Big 12. Big 12 has 10, has 10 teams in the top 45. Well, yeah, and that's why I think it's a joke to show bowl records, especially now more than ever when so many players opt out and all yeah, that stuff. Right. You know, It doesn't mean anything. But I think there's something to be said for what your conference does in the NCAA tournament. And and I and not as it just you say, oh, okay, we, we had five teams go to the Sweet 16, whatever it might be. But how deep did but, they go once they got there? And I, sure, but yeah, right. I mean how well you did in the in the NCAA tournament, because I think it has a bearing on the next season. I don't think like if the there's a possibility 
that the Mountain West could get six, and that'd be awesome for them. But if they go 0 for 6 in the first round, there's no way, you know what, they're getting six, six next, next year. Because the committee doesn't want to be look like, made to look like fools. As good as the Big 12 was last year, and it had a decade of these uh, highly ranked regular seasons, they didn't have anybody in the Final Four. They did have two teams losing the Elite Eight. Texas and Kansas State were Elite Eight. Yeah, that's year. pretty good. And then the, you then you also look at have to look at the NBA. Draft choices. You know, as we we identify the SEC in football, well, I mean, you got 16 guys taken in the first round. Right. But in football, it seems like it has more impact to me because all those guys are playing at least three years in the SEC. And because they seem to always have a dozen, 16 guys in the first round, at any given time, it seems like you got 30, 40, 50 first-round picks playing SEC football. So yeah, it yeah. must it must be pretty good. But it in is. college, with a one-and-done. What's and the was difference? It, well, because the kids are one-and-done based on on potential, not based on their ability to play really good basketball well, at then, that moment. And you look at five years and see if they're in the league. It's an ongoing thing. It's not just it stops the day of the draft. Look and see who the best players in the league are and where they can't come from. Right, but even, what if they weren't good in that league and they were only there one year? Well, they're going to have to be pretty good to get drafted. You think they're drafting lousy players? I think they're drafting on potential, so they're certainly right. not da- drafting the best players. And we understand that. So that uh, it, we, you can assume if that kid would have stayed four years, he would have been really good. What's the difference? Because because it's, he didn't go yeah, to the it, NCAA tournament those other three times but, but and dominate and play great basketball. Across, everyone has the same advantage-disadvantage. It's not like it's just going to be the Big 12. Oh, those are just a bunch of one-and-dunners, and they're not really good. It's just, It's across the world. Same thing. Everybody's at the same thing. You just look, who are the best players in the league and where'd they come from? And so, yeah, they weren't as great. A 19-year-old isn't going to be as good as he is when he's 23. Everybody understands that. Right, so his college team then doesn't win like that. Look at the teams who are in the Final Four. Don't you think there are teams advancing in the NCAA tournament because they're older and they're more experienced guys as opposed to they're the best guys? Dude, we're talking about a league. We're not talking about a team. You're talking about a team. Florida Atlantic did really well. I don't yeah. even know what the hell Florida Atlantic's <laughs> league is, but no one's going to say that league is better than the Big 12. I'm not talking about teams. I'm talking about a league. DJ and PK, that's what is trending. Coming up, question of the day. Zach Wilson, what should he do? We will get to that next, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 The Zone. You're listening to DJ and PK. Presented by Murdoch Chevrolet. I love it. Proudly serving Utah since 1926. On 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. Hot Takes a Toast, brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen with 30 years of serving Utah. Question of the morning. The Jets have given Zach Wilson permission to seek a trade. Where should he go? Eldon, the University of Utah. They might need a backup quarterback. Hey-oh. He does have one more year of eligibility, doesn't he? He did leave one out there, yes. <laughs> 
I went to COVID, and then we prize is six. Who knows? Oh, yeah, maybe you left two out there. I don't have to go back and do the math. You're right. <laughs> Who can keep track? Jay says you should go back to BYU. He can't do the NFL. Utes and Cougars out there having fun. Be careful. That's your uh, your future's uh, older brother. You don't want to make the mom mad. I'll tell you that right now. It's got trouble written all over it. Zach Wilson is actually younger than Cam Rising. Yeah, just by a couple of months. But nevertheless, he is. Bob asks, which team has the most Cougars? I don't know. Derek says, send him to Canada. Does anybody do that anymore? Uh, players go to Canada, but I don't think they go to Canada and come back to the NFL. That's what you're getting at because over time, you know, Doug Flutie did it. Warren Moon did it. Those are your big two. Yeah. Uh, Joe Theismann did it. Big three. Okay. Does anybody do that anymore? Uh, not that I know of. I'm not aware. Don't think anybody has uh, bounced back and forth with the CFL. Steve doesn't really care. He says anywhere other than the Jets. Oh, come on. There could be situations that are just as messed up as the Jets, couldn't there? Well, teams that are losing usually yeah. have quarterback issues. Right. Teams that are losing have a history yeah. of not developing quarterbacks. And then they go through one after another. Coordinators, coaches. Right. Quarterback coaches, head coaches. You name it. We were talking about this on uh, Monday with Riley. No, Tuesday with Riley. And we played the, the quote from Steve Young. Yeah, he said Rams. Right. Makes a lot of sense. And at that time, you know, we assumed that Wilson was done, but yesterday they basically made it official by giving him permission. Uh, and his thought, Riley's, was, yeah, McVeigh. And you look at McVeigh, who I think is like 38, 39 years old. Uh, you know, he came in the first year with the Rams. He was the youngest head coach ever, I think, at the time, like 30. And they were last in points scored the prior year, very first year. They're first, right? And he has really been considered an offensive mastermind if you look at the statistics. And he's taken two different quarterbacks to the Super Bowl because you had golf there, who was a number one pick and, and was sort of trading water to an extent. And then did well. And then Stafford, who hadn't won a playoff game, if you think it was Stafford's fault, I don't. I, mean, I think that's stupid to assign uh, a, a, almost like a pitcher, a, a, a guy's record, as if it, he's the one in the ultimate team sport. But that's what we do. And then in his first year, he wins the Super Bowl. And then the year before last, so this time last year, there was talk of potentially Stafford retiring at 36, and, and you know he had missed some time with injuries, and he'd already been to the mountaintop. He came back, obviously, and now there isn't, as far as I'm aware of, much talk. But he is getting up there. And so the opportunity, as Steve Young said, to go sit there and, and learn and do all that stuff that, you, that we thought was going to happen last year with Rodgers, he can do that in Los Angeles with the Rams. There's a couple of things, though, that I wonder about and that uh, McVeigh has been talking about retirement. 
You know, does he want to be one of these guys? He's been to the mountaintop. Do you just want to grind uh, all these years? And because he can get out and make a ton of money in broadcasting or do whatever he wants to do, and he's still plenty young enough. So just because you go to the Rams now, who knows who's going to be there in two years, right? And simply going there, it's like we're we're saying, let's go do this. And the reason I think to a large degree where we're saying let's go do this because over here, that didn't work. So you're running out of options. So the logical option is, well, he was thrust in there and he wasn't ready. And you look at guys who didn't have to be thrust in there. Jordan Love is a local example. Even Mahomes got to sit a year. One Jordan's year. had three. Right. And, and far, uh, Aaron Rodgers did. And so Love hit the ground running and by all accounts had a really good what we would call first, a rookie season. His first season as a starter yeah. was a good one. Right. Uh, and it, I think in, on top of it, big picture it was good. The fact that he looked better and the team performed better in the second half of the season than the first. Okay, it's progress. This isn't – it's not like he's peaked yet. There's even more. He's going to get better. Well, maybe he is, maybe he isn't, but that's what the first season as a starter suggests. But I don't know simply going and then putting on a ball cap and standing there during games is automatically going to make you better. Fact. That's, there, isn't, there isn't an automatic. But the thinking is, you're with a defensive-minded coach, now you're going to be with an offensive-minded coach. You were thrust in, you had to play right away, now you get a chance to sit back, learn, and observe. So you're right, it's just uh, take the mirror image and take the exact opposite of whatever you did. If that's what you did, do the different thing. Well, there's, this is the only thing that's left. If it doesn't work now, it's not going to work. And so you're just going to buy time on a judgment. But there's no guarantees. The thing about it is you're going to get a late-round pick, so you're not going to necessarily give up a ton. It's not going to be uh, just uh, devastating to your team if uh, you miss. Like for the Jets, this was devastating. You, you basically wasted the second pick. You could have got a really good player. Yep, but they didn't. They wasted another pick on another quarterback. Not the first, not the last. I don't know. Two's awfully be. high, though. I can't say it'll be the last. I don't know. Uh, maybe they'll have learned something from it. Uh, but go ahead and do it. But there's simply no guarantees. Maybe he's just not good enough. That may well be the answer. Uh, there were a lot of people who did say Rams, but there were teams who took the logic and went in a slightly different direction. Larry said Kansas City if he wants to learn the position. Seems like less of a chance to play. Mahomes is obviously younger. He's in his 20s. He stayed healthy. But Andy Reid does have a really good reputation with quarterbacks. And he, but he's 66. How long is he going to keep doing it? We're, we're just looking at the right. This kid is 24 years old. You're looking at five years down the road. Everything will be changed. And it will be changed. Chris says go to Denver. Now, there's an offensive-minded quarterback, or excuse me, an offensive-minded coach who <clears throat> had success with uh, Drew Brees, and they need a starter. So there wouldn't be so much standing around there. There presumably would be a job to win. You'd have to compete for it, and you have to actually win it. So it comes back to the question, are you good enough? Right. But Chris wants him in Denver. Okay, there's a history there. Nick's got a list. Denver, Minnesota, Oakland, or New Orleans. Man, I don't think all of those things are the same thing. 
Minnesota's a huge question mark. I mean, they've got a veteran quarterback, but he's a free agent. Are they going to re-sign him? You'd be playing for one of the younger coaches. So as far as the question on, you know, will McVay be there? Will Andy Reid be there? I mean, coaches change all the time in the NFL, so I guess you can't guarantee anybody's going to be there. But at least O'Connell is younger and less accomplished. He was a quarterback when he played. Maybe that'll help, but they got a decision to make on free agency, and what do they do? Yeah, but that's just a short-term Maybe that's a short-term one-year deal, right? Cousins is not long for the league. Nick says Oakland. Well, I think you mean Las Vegas, Nick. And Las Vegas is a little bit like the Jets, right? They don't win a lot. They've wasted high draft picks on quarterbacks. When's the last time they developed a quarterback? And you'll be working with a new coach. Defensive side of the ball. There's a lot of parallels there with the Jets. Not as big a media market and all that attention and all that screaming. So I guess there's that. But nonetheless, not a great track record for developing QBs. Well, there is no track record. No one was there when they were doing it. They're all brand new. I have no idea what their track record is. You like the New Orleans option? Sure. Seems like a little bit of a guess, right? Joshua says anywhere with a solid quarterback and a solid offensive coordinator. Rams, Chiefs, Broncos, Dolphins could be a great fit. He likes Miami because he got a great wide receiver and Zach can air it out. Even the Chargers, now that they have Harbaugh, their quarterback is young. It's a good fit otherwise. Uh, as far as a backup? Yeah, he's saying... Yeah, yeah. Why go, not? Go be a backup. I mean, you're gonna ha- you're not gonna be a starter. But I, I don't know that you can handpick some job that somehow you're gonna end up being the starter. Whatever but you do, given, it's gonna have to be earned. Yeah, given your track record, you're either gonna be a backup or you're gonna be in a place where the starting job is open and you're gonna be competing with others. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna be competing for a starting job in the summer. Rick says Ram Broncos, Vikings, Seahawks. We'll see what these teams do in free agency, but uh, the Broncos and Seahawks could easily find themselves with a quarterback competition. Do you want to get in it? Well, I'm sure he does. I just don't see him being a starter this next season. There's too much. That would be too much pressure on him. I don't know that I'd even want it for him. He needs to relax. Take the pressure off. Yeah. And then it, it, it could be years. It could be three or four years before he has an opportunity to be a starter. You know, for all the crap he's taken, you look at Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota was like the best college quarterback I've ever seen. He was just incredible. Huge stats. Final year. Huge stats, highlight plays, lots of winning. Right. And I thought, man, this guy, he was going to really be something. And he hasn't. He just, he hasn't been something. It, It hasn't worked. But he's still in the league. And the way things go, who knows? He's... 30 years old. 
So he still can have four to five years to go. It's possible, right? Uh, so maybe go along those roads that Mariota took because he was high draft pick. He was the, ironically, he was the second, second pick. Second also. Tennessee. Then he was with the Raiders. Then he's with the Falcons. Now he's with the Eagles. He's still in the league drawing a paycheck, which, you know, something to be said for that. And nothing like going through life with not having to worry about money. Isn't going to make your life problem free. I understand that, but it's one less thing you got to worry about. <laughs> and to me, that would be high on the list. Uh, so you have that situation there. Maybe he can do that. And the idea is at, at that point, you become, instead of the up and comer who's behind somebody who's older, it's been reversed. Now he is the older guy. Uh, behind someone younger in Philly, obviously, with Hertz is younger, and he's sort of like an insurance policy. Maybe you can morph into that. No chance to be Baker Mayfield? Yes, six he's got years, a chance. Yes. Six years, four teams, yeah. 4,000 yards passing. Yes. He was in the right division, 9-8 and eight won that one. Yes, I think he can become a Baker Mayfield, who was the number one pick. Yeah. Do you like the Steelers as a possible landing spot? Pretty good team around you. Obviously, they've got quarterback issues. No, I don't. Don't develop quarterbacks. Partly because he just had one in Roethlisberger for so long. The Steelers are an iconic franchise in the league, and the pressure on them to win is immediate all the time. So it puts them in the spotlight. Yeah. None of this off-the-radar Right. Relax, decompress a little bit. Right, and they don't they don't have a clear cut, so you'd almost be forced, if not literally, be forced to give him a chance. And is that in his best interest right now? So he didn't really like to kick the can judgment down the line, but it does kind of appeal to you. Well, I, that's the best option, but I'm just saying there's no guarantee simply going to the Rams is not going to solve what all the problems that he had. And But certainly, all the problems that he had are not his own fault. Now, if you go back and listen to the Steve Young interview that's that we did before what, the uh, Thursday before the Super Bowl. Basically what Steve he's said. He's got to own it, own his own issues, which he's done well at doing that, and then recognizing that some of those issues you really had no control over. The inexperience of the coach, the disorganization of the uh, Jets offense that McCole Hardman is talking about, the spotty play of the offensive line in front of you. Yeah, on and on. He needs to be in the league, but people in... New York needed – where's where's Zach Wilson again? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, off the radar a little bit. Right. Seattle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> New coaching staff there, though, so that seems like a roll of the dice. Is Denver far enough off the radar? Yes. But we got I, – I don't know what's going to happen with Wilson. Seems like there's anticipation of a buyout. And then what are they going to do there if that's the case? I, I need more info. 
I wonder if the trade's going to work or because the Jets have uh, tipped their hand, does anyone even want to give up a late draft pick or they're like, we'll talk to him when he's a free agent? Yeah, but I think that's next year. You don't think the Jets will cut him? I think he has a guaranteed deal for next year. They can cut him and just give him his money. Now that's dead money. Will they do that? I wouldn't think so. DJ PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. Scotty G joins us. The Aggies trying to make a run to the NCAA tournament. He will be here at the top of the hour coming off another crazy road win. We'll talk with Scotty in about uh, 15 minutes right here on The Zone. When it comes to the biggest moments in Utah sports history, Say, ah. these guys have seen it all. This is DJ and PK. DJ and PK on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. The band of the day today is Blink-182. House band of the day brought to you by Live Nation for all live concert and events in 2024. Check out LiveNation.com. Later this morning, we'll be giving away Def Leppard tickets. Win a pair to see Def Leppard at Utah First Credit Union Amphitheater September 10th. Tickets will be sent via email four to six weeks prior to the show date. You love your college football. You hate your playoff. You encourage, discouraged, or just ignoring the stories that are coming out about the 14-team playoff. Two bids for the Big 12, guaranteed, if the current negotiations and reporting hold true by the time they finally sign the thing. Three for the Big 10 and SEC, two for the ACC and the Big 12, one for the group of five, and then three at large bids. Sounds like there was an argument of expanding the thing. Why would he expand it just to let in six teams from your league? I think what we're doing is decreasing the emphasis on the regular season, but the game is so big that I don't think it'll have necessarily a big-time negative effect. You look at the NFL, we look at anything. We're so playoff-driven, no matter what the league is, what are you doing in the postseason? That's when it matters. And I think in the NBA, that's taken a major hit. You can spin it and they can concoct a play-in and a tournament, regular season, whatever. But none of them are really going to make a difference. The big play-in thing, it's just it's a trumped-up thing. Fine, trump it up. I just don't think it matters that much. Uh, I mean, you had teams last year, Dallas, that just didn't even want to get in it. They didn't, they didn't care about getting in it. And so it's not like they were dying that, man, this is the way we go. we're going to have a play-in game. we got, we got to win this so we can make the play-in. It didn't really work. Uh, but in the NFL – that hasn't really been such a big negative. The postseason, it's worse. They've increased and enlarged the playoff, or the, uh, yeah, the playoff, right? So with that in mind, I think it's the same thing here. And so it'll decrease the emphasis on the regular season. But everybody who is into, whether you're into pro or college or even both, when Saturday comes around, when Sunday comes around, it's still a big, big deal to go and watch the games to because it's an event. Football There's is a, 12, an event. 12 college games, yeah. 17 NFL games in the regular season, different than 82 in the NBA. Right, and people party hours before. 
hours, but I told you. It's my, always, yeah. My cousin asked me, her 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 husband had jet, has jet season tickets. Why does he leave at 8 o'clock in the morning for a 4 o'clock start? <laughs> 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 you know, you scout out your spot, and yeah. it's just, it's what you do, and you look forward to it all week. And that's life for you, and that's great. I'm all for it, you know? That's what, just be responsible with the alcohol is what I ask, obviously. Uh, so with that in mind... Uh, sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Do it. I mean, you're you're going towards the pro model. Just acknowledge it. Sorry, academic snobs. It's not first and foremost an academic endeavor. It's never been. It was just a charade with questions for the student athletes and all that and other nonsense. No. If Johnny or Mary want to go get a strong education and get a degree, they will. If they don't and they're just using this because there's some rule that I've got to use this as a way before I get to the NFL or whatever league it is, so be it. And all right, fine. That that Not everyone has to have this great education uh, if they have tremendous athletic talent, we would like this in a junior high principal world. Everybody gets a trophy and everybody treats everybody fair and, and you value education, but not everybody does that. And if, and if you're a big-time prospect, that's where your emphasis should be. Fine, go ahead and do it. Uh, so from that perspective, yeah, so go ahead and do this. See what we, See what we got. Emphasizing a couple leagues more than the other leagues, not really surprising. That's where it's going. The Big Ten and SEC are going to run the show, so they get more guaranteed bids. They'll probably get more of the large bids, too. That's how it's going to play out. And it comes back to what you say about the professionalizing. seems pretty clear they're going to pay athletes here one day pretty soon. We'll see how they figure out how to do that, get the lawyers involved, do it in the right way, which costs the schools less money, whatever that turns out to be. Yeah. But that's where they're headed. So they'll get their guaranteed three, and they'll probably get the uh, most of the large bids, I would expect. Well, if they're the best teams, so be it. What, what do I care if it's just from one league? Why does, it, why does it have to be a socialist system where everybody gets a piece? No, earn it. Yeah, but it's getting chosen by a committee. Can you earn it? Yes. Yeah, I mean, you're the junior high logic, and everybody's fair, and we treat everybody the same, and everybody loves one another. That's a That's, fantasy world. It's it's fun to make fun of me. I get that. But you've been against sports judging and the committee picking the four teams. It's an invitational. That's, so that doesn't turn you off at all. Did I watch every single game? I'm in Hawaii. Did I watch the national championship game? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure it does, but so what? DJ and PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. Scotty G is coming up next. Stay with us. The Aggies, a rare Friday night game, taking Saturday off. they got a Friday night game, just three to go. We'll talk with him. Is this team going to be different when it gets to the postseason? That's next. Stay with us. This is DJ and PK, Utah's highest-rated sports radio morning show for over 20 years. Ridiculously good. Presented by Murdoch Hyundai, Utah's number one Hyundai dealer for 16 years in a row. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone.
DJ PK, join Hans and Scotty Friday at Spot Trevay and Orem, located at 295 East University Parkway. Stop in and say hi. They'll be broadcasting live from noon to 3 p.m. And you can say hi to Scotty G right now. Hi, Scotty G. Hey, how are you? Excellent. How are you? I never better. Awesome. <laughs> you have a Friday game coming up. You're going to have a Saturday off. That's a rarity for you in this six-month stretch. What are you going to do with all this free time? What He's are you going to do make with yourself? Sauce. He had last Saturday off. More yeah, sauce. Back, back to back Saturdays. Yeah, with the bye last week. Yeah, we'll take it. Absolutely, get reacquainted with the family. I don't know if they're too overly thrilled with that, but uh, but uh, yeah, no, it'd be great. Can't complain at all. Well, in in about three weeks on a Friday, you'll be able to get reacquainted with the family for the next six months, so it's no big deal. <laughs> I love it. A little storm cloud coming through as always. Look. <laughs> hey, I listened to you at JJ and Alex. And, uh, do you think the Bulls with Jordan had any chance to beat Air Force? Uh, <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> I... Uh, after going to the pit and getting a win, I'm like, wow, maybe maybe they are a problem. I don't know, man. This conf- this conference is so jacked up. It's it's just I don't know if it means it's a really good conference or if it's just uh, a conference with a bunch of teams that are pretty good that can lose anybody or beat anybody. But uh, you know, it's just it's a weird year, man. It's just been kind of fun to sit back and watch everybody just kind of cannibalize themselves. You think the conference? Is it's a weird? I mean, after listening to you, I thought you were getting paid by the Mountain West. Well, I get paid by the game, so <laughs> as uh, so if I can string together as many games as possible, that's 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 my number one concern. So, uh, but no, I mean, I look. I think it's a great. I mean, I think it's a really good conference with really good players, and for the most part, teams that just don't lose at home. Now, I know I just talked about the Air Force going to the pit and getting a win, but. Uh, it's really hard to win on the road in this conference, and and more often than not, you've got some you know you got some really good players. New Mexico's got some really good players. UNLV, you know, you go down the list. There's some individual players that are really good in this conference. Now, look, you know, like I'll just take what you're going to say, PK, and just and just get it out of the way right now. I could see all these teams not having tremendous amount of success in March. I know San Diego State did their run, but other than that. Usually, Mountain West Conference teams are one and done in the or in the NCAA tournament. And if that happens again this year, then that's a that's another black eye for the Mountain West. So, are the Aggies at twenty three and five a really good team, or is this being done with mirrors, chewing gum? I mean, we all know the cliches: hairspray, rubber bands holding this thing together. It's all duct taped well, together I, with miracle victories along the way. Well, yeah, I mean, look, they, they should have lost to UNLV. They had that uh, miraculous five-point play that got them a win in UNLV. They got the uh, the tip out on the missed free throw against Boise State that they were able to get a layup in as time expired to send that game into overtime. And then, of course, you got Darius Brown who banks in a three uh, on the road against Fresno, a game that they should have lost. And I mean, even Danny Sprinkle said after, in the postgame, he's like, yeah, you know what? We should have lost that game. They they played better. They probably deserved that game more than we did. And he's right. I, I mean, it's just, you know, there's those weird years where things just kind of go your way, and Utah State's in the middle of that kind of season right now. And, and look, I don't know how it's going to end. I do know that, look, Great Osibor is an elite big man in college basketball. He can finish with the right, can finish with the left hand. I mean, there's a lot of great things he can do. 
But Utah State still is a 31, 32% three-point shooting team. I mean, they don't shoot the ball particularly well. Uh, but, you know, when it gets down in crunch time, they're making plays. So I think a lot of us, even the coaching staff, is looking at the team going, I'm not exactly sure how they're doing this, but they're doing it. Because you look at the uh, – you know, you look at the individual parts on this team, and there's there's some issues. They turn the ball over too much. They're not a good free throw shooting team at times. Um, you know, they're 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 a dismal three point shooting team, but yet they're winning games. So yeah, I can't seem to figure it out. Coaching staff can't seem to figure it out, but it's been a hell of a run. I think I can figure it out though. You got Osibor, who's a junior. You got Martinez, who's a senior. You got Brown, who's a senior. And I realize they were all together, new, and all that stuff. But they're coming from varied backgrounds where they played a fair amount, and they're good players, obviously. They're very good players. I have no problem saying that. And then you augment them with uh, some younger guys, uh, false F. I mean, chronologically, he'd be a little older, I think. He served a mission, right? Mm -hmm. And he had the red shirt, so uh, I realize he's just a freshman, but, you know, chronologically he is. And to me... There's a fair amount of experience. It was new in the beginning, which is why they were picked ninth, which you know seems ridiculous now, obviously. But when you look at guys, they had a fair amount of playing time and certainly have been in programs that helped them get to this point. To me, I think that's the number one reason is they got good players who've been around the block. Yeah, and I mean, you're right. You look at the D1 experience and – they're right up there, I think, top 35 in the country and players. And you got a point guard in Darius Brown who's four years older than Keontae George. So, yeah, yeah I mean, look, yeah. there's the, the, the experience factor is real. But Darius Brown wasn't doing this at Montana State. Um, great Osborne didn't start last year for Montana State. Like and so yeah, they've got experience, but they weren't doing what they were doing last year. Yeah, but neither, neither was Jimmer Fredette early in his career. Yeah, I know, but these guys are seniors. I mean, right. He, and by the time I mean, Jimmer was a senior, look what he did. Now that's a, an extreme example. I, I'm just saying there there's something to be said for progressing along a timeline. These guys are doing it at different schools, and a guy like Martinez has bounced around uh, to multiple pla- three places, right? But the the natural progression is if you stick it out, you should be better. These guys yeah. have not stuck it out at their individual schools and with the Montana guys, state guys, just because obviously the, the coach and they followed them and all that. Uh, but it's it's not – it's a surprise that they're this good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that it's not that. But I've seen so many guys over the years – BYU and Dave Rose would do that very well. By the time guys got to their third and fourth years – they were really good. Keeney Young, who didn't do jack early, ends up being Mountain West Player of the Year by the time he's a senior, uh, to take it a, a you know, high example. So I can see where these guys have gotten better over the course of their year to year to year to year type thing. So in the course of this conversation, you just went from Utah State being a first-round bounce to now being a Final Four team. So that's, that's, uh, no, that's- I would say Final Two. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) At this level in the Mountain West. Yeah. Better than we anticipated by far. Osibor, way better than we anticipated. But you look at that body, you look at that size, and you look at that experience. Okay. It's not out of the realm. No, no. It's not out of the realm. I just, I don't think that anybody could have. Now, obviously, nobody in their right mind could have projected this, but I don't know if anybody even projected this team would be. 
uh, playing on Thursday in the Mountain West Conference tournament and not having to play a first round game. Um, oh yeah, in October, I'm to- I totally see it. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Everything was brand new. We no one had any idea how it would come. Now Sprinkle yeah. is the runaway coach of the year and maybe national coach of the year, and, yeah. and he's going to do and well in the Big Twelve next year. Uh, I'd say more. Uh, I'd say more Big Ten. Where's Washington going to be next year? Yeah, Big, Big Ten. Ten. <laughs> yeah. Before we, before we worry about next year, with five teams separated by one game, can you handicap the conference tournament that is almost upon us? No, no, not at all. Be, and, and because you have teams that any – all right, so let's just go down the list. You got Utah State certainly can win the tournament. You got Boise State who could certainly win the tournament. You got San Diego State obviously can win the tournament. Um, and then you go down to Colorado State who can easily win this tournament. Nevada can win this tournament. UNLV with the stupid Rebels chant that you'll hear over and over. They can win the yeah, tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I mean this, this, this is from top to bottom. And, I, you know, look, PK, you covered that conference, yeah. you know, back in the day. I don't know if there's been a year. I know certainly in my seven years of calling games in this in this turn or in this conference, I've never seen it where you've got right. legitimately seven yeah. teams that can win the conference tournament. Now, look, Colorado State a week and a half ago was a top 25 team. They were nationally ranked there. There's a good chance they're playing on Wednesday to start the tournament. Yeah, they don't get a first round bye. I mean that's 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 absurd that they're in that situation. But that's just where this conference is, and 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 frankly, it's been a selling point for Danny Sprinkle and his team being like, hey, look, yeah, you're number one right now. You know, if the season ended, you'd be regular season champs. You'd be the one seed. But guess what? We uh, if, if you stumble, which they almost which they should have done against Fresno, if they stumble at San Jose or if they lose to Air Force, then guess what? It can all come crashing down immediately. Uh, in, because everybody's just bunched up there near the top. It's it, It's been a rallying cry for these guys, and uh, it didn't keep them focused the other night against Fresno, but you certainly hope it will be the case against uh, Air Force and, uh, and San Jose. Uh, yeah, I think at worst they only lose one more game, but I think they'll win out. But the great thing about it for them, they don't have to go to Vegas and do anything. They'll be fine. They'll get a decent seed in the NCAA tournament. They've already proven. And as far as your conference goes, yeah, I'm not sure there's a superpower at the top like we had with Utah, uh, uh, but uh, for, for in, in the Mountain West and, and in back going back to the WAC uh, or maybe uh, San Jose State or BYU, but the depth of the conference is outstanding. It's yeah, and it and it doesn't and it doesn't need to politic. You know, we were talking about this the other day. The the BYU media for the last 13 years, the West Coast Conference really isn't that bad. It doesn't suck as bad as you think, right? Well, now no one's saying that at BYU. They've got they don't, they don't read the, that storyline is out the out the door. To me, nobody needs to sell the Mountain West on how good it is this year. It speaks for itself. Yeah, and it's been it's been fun to watch. Now, again, back to our previous point, they've got to back that up with wins in the NCAA tournament. Well, you know, whether it's Utah State or, you know, San Diego State certainly did their part last year. But, you know, they get five teams in the tournament last year, and everybody's one and done. They get four teams in the year before, everybody's one and done. Right, again, right. outside of what San Jose State did, which was – or San Diego State did, which was awesome. But, again, they've got to make a – they've got to make a bigger mark. There's, there's just no doubt. They've got to be better. 
in that regard. And I think they have at least two or three teams that will be in the round of 32. I would certainly hope that's the case. And again, I get paid by the game, so that'd be nice. If, uh, <laughs> so you're in favor of a deep NIT run, which isn't going to happen. The team's no, overachieved. No, 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 they're not going in. I know. <laughs> the not. team's overachieved. Those three games Scotty listed for us earlier, the difference between 11-4 and four and 8-7, and seven, they could be right there with CSU. There but you since, go. But yep. since you say that, Scotty, and because Aggie fans, I mean, you know the history as well as anyone, one tourney win in 50 years. What does this team have that maybe other teams didn't have that could lead to an NCAA tournament win? Or is it this is a lot of fun and you get to the NCAA tournament and then it's one and done again, which makes Aggie fans shudder? Well, I do think what what this team has that you don't – like last year's team, and I told you, you know, I came on the air before they played Missouri, and I said, look, if they're not shooting threes, they're done. And I think they started out that game like one of 12 from three, and Missouri beats them up and wins by double digits. Because – I mean, that, what we're seeing at BYU, uh, I love schematically what they're doing. But, again, if they're not shooting their threes, they could be them. They, you know, they can get themselves in trouble really quickly, as we saw, like, against Kansas State. Um, and, and that's how Utah State was built last year, uh, more so than BYU. I think BYU's got more options to kind of adjust throughout a game if, uh, if they're not hitting their threes. Utah State was just strictly live or die by the three. When you've got an elite big man, who has a back-to-the-basket game like great Osibor, uh, and you don't necessarily have to be hitting outside shots, I think that you've got a chance, especially when you get up against an NCAA tournament team that uh, doesn't necessarily know you or has scouted you well and you know may not know how to bring a double team against him. Because right now, Osibor is the kind of guy, if you get him one-on-one in the post and he has good position, he will finish, and you're going to look silly because he can. he's got so many moves. Um, down low that, that he's just difficult to beat. So that's an element. If you took great Osibor and put him on last year's Utah State team, uh, you'd have yourself a an elite team. Uh, if you took any of Utah State three-point shooters and put them on this year's team, if, you know, Stephen Ashworth sticks around, Utah State's a really dangerous team at this point. But I do like the ability – I do like the fact that they've got an opportunity with a guy, with a guy in particular and then other – guys that can help out that can get you high percentage shots from two and that should be able to keep you in a lot of games against some high level teams there's no worry there they've got three really good guards Uh, brown is a clutch player and then you got falsef who's shooting 56 percent and you got martinez who's shooting 48 percent now the latter two uh brown and brown and falsef and they're, they're Pulse of not the great three-point shooter, but he can run an offense fairly well. He's got a nice physical presence to him. Martinez can score. He could score when he was at Utah 10 years ago. And uh, you, you saw him, okay, this kid's a player, and then, you know, they leave and all that stuff. And Brown is Brown's a big-time player. He, can, he has no fear. He can make shots. It's fun to watch him play. That three that he banked in, yeah, the idiot uh, Fresno guy decides to jump for some reason, and then he jumps to his left, uh, to Brown's left and not his right, and he makes that shot. This this guy is 
a clutch player. I don't think there's any question about that. I'm not talking about them running to the Elite Eight or any of that stuff. I'm talking about them winning a game in the NCAA tournament. At this point, I would, unless they got some crappy, crappy seed or somebody, Jerry McNamara for Syracuse goes over, goes for 45 like he did against BYU in that first round several years back. I expect them to be in the round of 32 because they have the nucleus and the ingredients to succeed in any tournament that they're in. There you go, folks. I like it. Let's go. Yeah. I just want I want a BYU Utah State second round game in Salt Lake. That's not that's not too much to ask for, is it? Uh, it would be. Yeah, it would be awesome. Um, we love storylines and right across the street. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Selection selection committee loves their storyline. Family on three. Yep. (laughs) I don't think they're Uh, really slotted for that, though. They're going to have to get deeper before they – because aren't they both going to be in that, like, five, six, seven range right now? Don't you think that's where where they're headed? Yeah, yeah, I know. Five through eight. We'll say that. Five through eight. Yeah, yeah. Unless they both slip up and end up in an eight-nine game. But they both have to lose. Yeah, I don't. I, I think I think Utah State certainly is in a situation where I, I agree with PK. I think they're in, but you know, if they drop a game, one of these next two games against you know a quad three or a quad four team, and they're a quick exit from the Mountain West tournament, they could certainly slip down into that eight, nine, ten range pretty quickly. If, uh, if yeah, but that's if not going to happen. They're going to lose the, those, these teams. Suck. Fresno. Oh Why do you do this? Well, they do. They do. They do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and they should have lost to Fresno, who's the worst of the three teams they're going to play. Yeah, but where this, was that game? In Fresno. Right. And where and are these games? At home, and then you play at San Jose, which okay. is going to be the same situation where you got no. 30 people there. You got no <laughs> You had 3,000 in Fresno. You did not. There was not 3,000 people in Fresno. I counted them. <laughs> Twice. Uh, I, I, I could sit from where I was at. And I counted, I barely got to like 400 at tip-off. Were you hearing like individual conversations when you went to commercial oh, yeah. break? Yeah, that... And there's really, not, there's nothing more uncomfortable than when a guy walks up to the scores table and you're like, well, you know, my Mason Falslev has uh, started the game one of seven from the field of Mason. <laughs> like, and I can hear you. I'm like... Yeah, I know. Sorry about that. but you know. I was really hoping Fresno won because we'd finally have a court storming in which there'd be no controversy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you saw it, but a week or two ago, there was some team that won, there, and like one, like guy, yeah, one yeah, guy yeah. walked on the court. That was awesome. I think, was it in Mississippi Valley? Kind of wandered out there, looked around, and walked back. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was fun. Before you go, who's going to take the first snap at quarterback in the game one for the Aggies? Uh, the kid from Iowa. Uh, the, oh, you know, you're dumping you know, on the pig farmer. Uh, pig farmer is going to be third. I still can't figure out why. I mean, it's depth, and I understand. But if if uh, Barnes thinks he's going to go up there and be the starter on week one, I think he's highly mistaken right now. <laughs> uh, you got Cooper Legaz already put together in a fairly impressive body of work, and then the kid from Iowa, I think, is far and away probably one of the more talented players they've had there in quite some time so yeah i i think barnes has a real high um you know he he's got a lot of work to do to try to break into that rotation great what am i going to do with my pig farmer shirt 
I know. Like, the jokes write themselves. You go to Utah State as a pig farmer? I mean, come on. I get it. I understand it. But uh, uh, I just uh, I just don't see it's going to happen. I don't see it happening. Scotty G, we appreciate it. Enjoy your back-to-back Saturdays off, and uh, we will talk to you again around NCAA tournament time. How about that? Maybe even in Vegas, just to, just to mess with you. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Thanks, Scotty G. We appreciate it. We'll see you. DJ PK and Scott Gerard, you hear from noon to three, right here on the zone. DJ PK, it's 97.5 the zone. Coming up, we have a question. Oh, PK, can you see the future? How much can you change things? Yeah, mine looks bleak. <laughs> Why does yours look bleak? <laughs> Why is your future bleak? I, don't know, is... I, I just know what my mother always told me. No, okay. <laughs> Can the same be said about downtown? We'll get to that next. DJ PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. Number one! 20 years and still going strong. Utah's number one sports radio show for over two decades. You're listening to DJ and PK on 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. Nominate the youth sports volunteer that you know for the Hercules Hero of the Week. Submit your nomination at kslsports.com forward slash contest and then listen every Thursday afternoon to JJ and Alex for the winner. Help us celebrate the efforts of those volunteers making an impact with the Hercules Hero of the Week. And it's sponsored by Hercules Credit Union. DJ and PK. Ryan Smith had a tweet. Downtown Salt Lake City is the heart of Utah. Our efforts are not about an arena. It's about revitalizing a downtown that desperately needs investment. Imagine a downtown experience like this with the NBA and NHL at its core. Sweet. What do you think of that? Who's going to pay for it? Who's going to pay for it? (laughs) People are all over the map on this one. Uh, Brooks is all on board. Do it. Brooksy? Brooks, do it! Exclamation point. No, no long uh, rambling from him. Get her done. That's all he says. Kyle, no thanks. Unless it's paid for by owners and investors. Even if it's money generated by raising taxes on hotels, cars, rentals, etc., why not raise those fees, taxes to fix other problems in the state? Education. Get PK's wife a raise. Or lower state gas taxes. 17th highest in the United States. Those are just two examples. Raising those taxes that would impact tourists would be better suited to fix other problems than helping the business ventures of billionaires. Yeah, I mean, that's I, I get that. That we're, we're talking Joe Blow, average citizen here, uh, who's... Some, some are struggling, but... I like I, I like to use the word grinding, you know. You no, got, well, I think both those things are probably true. You got a job, struggling probably 
you know, some, no people, some people are. And there yeah. are other people, they're not struggling, but it's a grind. And they're maybe yeah. looking expenses like, I, we're doing okay now, but man, that eight-year-old kid needs to co- go to college in 10 years, and we're not saving for that. How are we going to do that? So maybe they're not in trouble in the moment, but they're looking at retirement or college or who knows what and thinking, okay, how, how are we, we going to pull that off? You know, get a loan like I did, <laughs> and then you don't even have to pay the darn thing back. Even well. better. <laughs> To pay every penny of mine, Christian. Every freaking penny. I paid every cent. I love bringing that up because all the guys that I work with, their parents paid for it, and it just bugs them because everybody likes to whine, and you like to get lower than the next guy. And when I bring up that, nobody can get lower than that because everybody around here had their parents pay for it. The race to the bottom is complete. <laughs> so I got him. I got him on something. <laughs> My parents didn't pay for a freaking thing. Uh and so I and I get that, you know, but I, I think uh, Sam Farnsworth, the Channel Five, had a, had a tweet I saw that, well, if we don't do it, some other city's going to do it, and why not us do it and then benefit from it? Okay, yeah, and that picture, that artist design. Looks super cool. <laughs> it did. I was looking at it, trying to figure out, like, okay, where is that? What's the angle? You know what it reminded me of? If you are on the Strip and you're walking west towards T-Mobile. Okay. You got the MGM uh, other arena that they have there, and then you got all these restaurants and shops and everything, and it's like a huge outdoor thing. I've gone to games there. I've gone to concerts there. And it it really, that's the first thing I looked at. And when you're you're going from the Strip, walking towards I-15, and that's what it looked like. And then at the end there is T-Mobile, right? Mm-hmm. And, it, it, and if you've made that walk, and many of us have, you know what I'm talking about, and it's really cool. So the, NA, so the, the hockey arena is in the process of the state legislature right now. And I think something's supposed to be happening uh, later this week or next week. Baseball stadium has already zoomed through and gone to the governor for signing. So is he talking about also building a new NBA arena, or is he talking about building the NHL near the NBA? Because in this one, it has Utah Jazz on the marquee. And it doesn't look exactly like the building they're playing in now. So would he just build one for the two? Would he have two separate arenas? There are sure. plenty of towns that do have two arenas. <laughs> build it all. <laughs> Let's, I mean, let's go. Look at you just to wave the arm. Just spending a gazillion dollars. Build it all. Yeah. Why not? The one, one thing we know about Ryan Smith is that. He thinks, he thinks big. Yeah. He thinks big. Right. right. We don't need to debate that. That ought to be pretty clear. And build a course, build a replica of the Masters right next to it. <laughs> so you go to the game, play golf. and. Then. Sure. I mean, that guy's mind, who knows what he's got in there, but it's not small. Russell couldn't be less interested in the NHL. Dustin, I love it. I don't like hockey, but I would go to a hockey game if it was in Salt Lake. Yeah, man, that's not the point, whether you like or dislike hockey. It's the thing that I don't get, and I just don't have the mind for it. I mean, I understand the argument the guy who sold his company for $8.5 billion ought to be able to have enough to build a freaking thing. I mm-hmm. get that. But it doesn't work that way. It's not like Ryan Smith 
is asking for something that hasn't been asked for a million times over every other place. And then, so where I'm going with this is what's the economic benefit overall to everybody, to the individual businesses around there? Because we know on game night for the Jazz, all these other businesses benefit, you know, and it's great financially for the community. Uh, so, so that's a that, that's a that's a complicated question. I, I, I don't know the answer. Uh, yeah, I'm nor do I know that it's great radio. So we can deal with it superficially here, and the people who are way into that stuff will say that wasn't enough. Well, you're probably right, but well, but I think that one, the businesses do benefit. Two, arenas are now being designed to minimize the impact on the surrounding neighborhood. Why should the guy that business across the street or that business uh, two blocks away get the business? I mean, they, the Jazz, when they remodeled their arena, moved out all the offices, offices you and I used to have to go to and sit in meetings we didn't want to be in. All those offices on the second floor got moved to another building a couple miles away, and they put in huge dining experience, basically for people who sat in the middle third of the lower bowl. Okay. And so they, all those people used to go to restaurants, presumably, and now they're not going to fill in the blank your favorite restaurant downtown. Yeah, but then they upgraded places that brought in food from the community. And so then you can, instead of going is, down Main Street, you can get that restaurant, a portion of it over here. They did do some of that, right. Yeah. There are four, there are some branded places in each corner of the concourse on the third floor. Yeah. The ground level. I mean, I'm not really worried about great radio because if I'm speaking, it's great radio. Oh, there it is. Nice. So we're okay there. <laughs> there it is. So don't worry about that. The, the $900 million, uh for the baseball stadium, which is $30 million over 30 years, which they did change at the last second, I think, where they're getting the money from. I think the hotel taxes are out, and they're doing a special taxing district. I think the, I think the people in the southern end of the state are like, well, why are we paying for a stadium that's four hours away? Forget that. And so I think they redid where they got the money from, and there's a Fair Park district. I don't know what its boundaries are exactly, but I guess the theory is the immediate area will benefit, so the immediate area should So pay. whose ward is it in? Gotcha. <laughs> I, gotta, I don't know. I, I can't identify the wards and stakes <laughs> and help you out on that. All those geographic reference points, that probably would spell it out and help a lot of people. <laughs> got to speak their language. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. But that's going to take some research by you and I to figure that out. Well, Yach probably has it at his fingertips, can, but Yach isn't here today. Christian's re- here. reward them up or whatever they do. Reward them up? I don't, uh, I don't, I don't think, know what it's called. I don't think I've heard that before. Reward them up. Uh, they change boundaries and stuff. Uh, I think we're, I think we're all aware of the general idea. <laughs> Reward them up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, I forgot what the point now was. <laughs> You're Just a question me. of do we want it and do we oh, want yeah. public money? The, what are you going to do? Well, thirty million a year for thirty years. You're the which business the guy. What are you going to do with the amount of money changing hands? That doesn't seem like a lot to have Major League Baseball. And I know there's studies in these that people who don't want it to happen will cite and say, "Well, you don't get it back." And Never? that's true in a lot of cities, right? Oh yeah, there's, there's somebody probably posted it at the <laughs> bottom of this, and if they haven't, they will. All the studies show. I've never gone through the studies. How good is the data in the study? Yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm like you. I don't have a mind to drill that deep into this. I do think that it's a little different 
in some cities than it is in others. In a place like Utah, when you're not viewed as major league or you have a bad rep, can you use sports to change that around and make a town seem cooler? Yes, I think you can. Sports is that important in our society. How do you measure that? Yes. How do you measure that? What town has become cooler? Salt Lake City. (laughs) People come to town here. They come for the first time. They've heard all the stories. They've heard all the jokes. What are we, back to the mayor? We have homosexuals and you can get a beer? I mean, that was her whole speech at the, oh, at the All-Star, All-Star, at the All-Star that, press is that, conference. That is definition not, of cool? Not ex- not exactly, <laughs> but is it, when when people come here, what are they expecting? The side, sidewalks roll up at 6 o'clock and all that stuff. And if you come here and you have an experience that you can have in another city, you start to think, well, maybe that place is getting a bad rep. Okay, but who's the, who gets to decide the definition of cool? Every individual person who comes <laughs> through town. Yeah, there might but be somebody's gotta, thinking, oh, great, so I can get a beer here, and then I get 10 beers, you've and then got, I get in a car, and I plow somebody over. You've gone to jazz games. Is that any different than going to, and you've gone to the NCAA tournament, presumably, at the arena. Is that any different than going to the NCAA tournament or a game anywhere else? I don't know. I don't, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where you get at. It's not that different here. It's the same thing. Walking down the street to go to a game is like walking down the street and going to a game. Okay, now I know what you're getting at, and then I agree with you. And so I think that having that common experience that a lot of people have is valuable to a place that has a bad rep. I don't know that it's as valuable in fill-in-the-blank city, Los Angeles or San uh, yeah. See, I don't know that you can you, you can't cool walk, up your town. I walk it's around like, Kansas City and uh, Minneapolis when I was there traveling for soccer, and I thought their downtowns were dead and were absolutely quiet on the weekend. And I think anybody who'd been walking with me would have thought the same thing. But they have a rep. They've got all these sports teams. Nobody really talks about, man, Minneapolis is pretty quiet. It's Saturday at 1 o'clock. I've been downtown here when it's pretty quiet Saturday at 1 o'clock. See, people, Salt Lake, there's nothing going on. That's not going to change. Yeah, I've walked around Kansas City and Minnesota. It's, it's gonna, no different. But, it, it's but how, gonna, much, how much are Kansas City and Minnesota viewed different? It's viewed different here, and there's this huge elephant right over here, and you don't want to touch. Religion. We've already did. <laughs> and that's we, never going to change. What do you mean, not touch? We were just talking about <laughs> ward them up. Yeah, me. <laughs> I mean, that's never going to change. It's, it's always going to be that. You think sports teams ain't going to change that. That's never going to change. And there's a lot of people who don't want it to change in the first place, and they're that's, darn well happy about it. That's probably true. <laughs> but I do think the town's rep has changed over 20 years and over 40 years. I think living in the town, it's changed. Right, don't that, you that, think it's changed over 30 years that you've lived here? I live out in the burbs. So, yeah. n- no, not really. Not really. <laughs> it's just, it's the same people. Every time we, we have a community event, <laughs> people show up. And then within 15 minutes, the non-Mormons are over there, and the Mormons are over there. <laughs> and away we go. <laughs> it's, the same. it's been the same thing that way for the 30 years. And I've lived in a mile radius the entire time. I moved, this is my second house, and I moved yeah, one no, mile, less way. than a mile south. On the same neighborhood. Yeah. And, yeah, so that doesn't mean don't try. I'm all for it. It's keep trying. To make it better. But what's your definition of cool? There's other people oh, saying, well, that's not cool. That, and that I don't line, want that. And that line changes with every generation. <laughs> yeah. What we thought of our parents, what our kids think of us, what our grandkids. Yeah. And that always changes. 
But I do think sports gives you something in common with everybody sure. else. And there's no question about it. But I think if you're trying to cool up the town, it's like BYU for the last 13 years. The West Coast Conference really doesn't suck. It really doesn't suck. No, no, no. It's not that bad. Nobody believed it. It sucks. <laughs> it's high school gyms, and you got Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and BYU. And Gonzaga and St. Mary's, their arenas, you could fit them with about 7,000 to spare at the Marriott Center. And that's what it was. Your family likes to go out and eat a lot. Don't you think there's way more places to go out and eat than 30 years ago? Things about everyday life that change. And to a certain degree, even and, though they're be, trying to capture. But that's not cool. That's just progression. They'll be in 30 years from now, there'll be more. I've said this a thousand times over. In 15 years, this community is going to look way different than it does today. As it looked way different 15 years ago and, people and 15 years beyond that, that's going to happen whether they have a sports team here or not. I was about to say, and the people who are a sports team think the place will just naturally evolve without building yeah. sports arenas and stadiums. But I'm all for it. I hope they get it. <laughs> the more sports, the better. Whether I'm a hockey fan or not, who cares? Josh, in my opinion, if Ryan wants us to pay for his hobbies, he needs to make us part owners or treat us like the investors we are. Otherwise, man. pay it yourself, Ryan. It's cool, man. If we can just have Taylor Swift here for just a day... I mean, nothing against Nikki Haley, but, man, if I could get Taylor Swift here. Taylor Swift in the baseball stadium. <laughs> Concert time. You talk about cool. Take me now. <laughs> <laughs> Cam says I'm all for it. Taxes are being raised regardless every single day with nothing of real value to show for it. There should be more of an upcry about nothing coming from our current state taxes. And we're seeing about the investment into our cities. Reinvesting money and resources in your community is not a bad idea. Some might say it even helps generate more revenue and taxes. That's what I'm talking he about. He wants stadiums. Bring it. If it does that, great. I don't know if it does that. That's so far out of my league, man. Not an economist here. I'm just going to go watch a jazz game tonight and enjoy uh, college basketball and then wait the countdown for football after the basketball season ends like we do every year. Talk about simple. That's me. <laughs> Brent, I have no problem with this at all. Heck, the state wastes millions every year on stupid lawsuits. Why not spend the money on something we can all use? Precisely. I, don't, I hate stupid lawsuits. Ryan Smith is worth billions of dollars, Larry says. He wants this. So let's let the man who has the billions pay for it and not raise taxes of folks trying to feed their kids and pay for $4 for a gallon of gas. Yeah. Joshua. Clean up the homeless and revive a bunch of buildings. This would be amazing. Okay, would you be fixing homelessness or would you just be moving people to another neighborhood away from your sports stadiums? I don't know. That's, that's, I would, that's too I would deep probably for me, pick, man. I would probably pick the latter. <laughs> okay. All right. Mitch, I don't really care what they do. I think I'm going to have to move out of Utah and go to Kansas to be able to buy a home anytime soon. Well, and but Kansas is cool. You just told us that. Kansas City. Yeah, but they're right next to it. Then. <laughs> Kansas, Kansas City does sit on the state line. There's Kansas City, Kansas, and Kansas City, like right Missouri. Right across the street, man. Yeah, across the river. <laughs> Are all the talks of moving the jazz to the south end of the valley dead, Garrett asks? I sure hope so. I don't know. Are they? I don't follow it. Uh, it does seem like that has all stopped now. I'm it sure is. it could be revived. If he doesn't get the deal he wants... In Salt Lake, huh? what would stop him from oh. going somewhere else? 
I mean, that's a pretty old story in sports, isn't it? Play one against the other? Teams leaving one. Uh, it's happened a little bit in Phoenix. Reminds me of when I was in college, if you get my drift. <laughs> the uh, Not everybody, not all the Arizona teams play in Phoenix, right? They're often other. And that's been one thing with the hockey team. They go to one city, and so then the city that doesn't have it weighs in on the no campaign to shoot down the other city's bid to get yeah, the hockey team. Yeah, it was in te- Tempe. Now they're trying Mesa. Right. Yeah. But meanwhile, if if you're Phoenix or Scottsdale or Glendale, Glendale. Yeah. you're like, yeah, yeah, we'll help you with the no campaign. We don't want them getting a place in uh, Mesa or Tempe. Right. We want them in our place. Sure. So that that's hardly new. I right. mean, we we know that the Lions were downtown. They moved to the Pontiac Silverdome, and now they moved back downtown. Yes. So that kind of stuff happens. Same thing with the Pistons. Yeah. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. Christian must have been enjoying that. Christian Yock would have been yelling at us to go to break. We just blew through that. We're a break behind now. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. This is DJ and PK, Utah's highest rated sports radio morning show for over 20 years. Ridiculously good. Presented by Murdoch Hyundai. Utah's number one Hyundai dealer for 16 years in a row on 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. Join JJ and Alex Friday 3 to 6 for the 9th Annual Salt Lake Off-Road and Outdoor Expo at the Mount America Expo Center. Check out cool stuff and get great deals while getting in some off-road land use. Get your tickets at slorex.com. That's S-L-O-R-E-X.com. Kids 12 and under are free. We promised tickets. We'd better do it. Def Leppard. Caller 12-801-575-ZONE wins a pair of tickets to see Def Leppard at the Utah First Credit Union Amphitheater on September 10th. Tickets will be sent via email four to six weeks prior to the show date. You know, all these concert giveaways, PK, this reminds me of you, they all say September 10, 2024. Well, we're in 2024, so when you say September 10th, don't you just assume it's Yeah, but they up? don't read the AP style book. Okay, there's that. <laughs> And then there's you. You bought stuff on the wrong dates. Do they, does that happen a lot? Do they feel like they really have to uh, spell it out? No. Are the websites confusing that many people? September 10, twenty four. September tenth cuts. It would you would go September tenth if it was twenty twenty five. You would mention twenty twenty five. Right. So. Yeah. Like uh, like there's no need to say twelve noon. Noon is noon. Noon is noon. Noon is twelve. Right. Noon is not ten or four. So there you go. It's just simply noon. And we're good. Utah Jazz are in action tonight in Orlando. Do you care to handicap the odds on this game being interesting? Competitive. I'm expecting it to be. Because they're horrified by the last one. They know they can't do that again. That wasn't good enough. Right. Yes, I think they get it. I think they understand. They know they're not in a position to win a bunch of ball games. But they also know what happened the other night sucked. And there's individual personal pride. There's a collective personal pride. There's Will Hardy. It's not like Will Hardy's coaching for his job by any stretch. But at the same time, he's proven nothing. Not that he has a whole lot to work with to prove anything. Right. But he wants – he doesn't want that to be. I mean, he's going to be the coach here next year. I get that, and he should be. There's no question about that. Uh, but, you know, it's all a reflection upon everybody, and that wasn't good. That was awful. 
And now, okay, you got rid of, uh, uh, you went back to Atlanta and you had your home and tickets and your friends and your emotional. Is anybody from Orlando? Did anybody play from Orlando? Are we done with that? <laughs> Can now we concentrate on ball? Joe Ingles is there. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be emotional for Clarkson. And that, I don't know if anybody else has left. Right. That's, no, no, Seriously, that's does Joe have another teammate? No, because when we we had him on when they played here, and he said Clarkson, Clarkson was, the, Clarkson? Only, was okay. the only guy. Yeah. yeah. I want to make sure I didn't forget someone at the end of the bench. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, he met, there's a lot of ushers and so forth that, and the support people that he knew. Yeah. But they're not going to be there tonight. No. Nope. No, it's, it's in Orlando. It's in Orlando, yeah. Second of a three-game road trip. And, and, and uh, I'm sure for Joe, this reminds him when he was with the Jazz because Orlando's building something. Watching the young guys grow up. Yeah. And they're they're pretty good relative to what they've been. It's definitely a step forward for there's, them. Yeah, there's no question. And, th- and, so, and that, if you step back, that's what the Jazz are trying to do. Who would have thought, let's be like Orlando. You know, you got a Bancaro kid. Yep. The Wagner kid is good. Cole Anthony, I mean, go down the roster. I seem like your boy, the herd. He loves to do that, just name people. Uh, but they got a young nucleus with the opportunity to get better. And let's see what they got. And that that's what you're going to have here. They're eighth in the East, but they're only a half game behind the Heat, the Sixers, and the Pacers. So fifth to eighth place is a half game. So Orlando's definitely got something to play for. Avoid the Celtics in the first round. That would be a first thing to start on. Agreed. Miss those guys. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. The guys you know and trust talking about the teams you can't live without. This is DJ and PK on 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. So, 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 so. Join Hands and Scotty Friday. They're going to be at Spa Trivet and Orem, 295 East University Parkway. Stop in and say hi. They'll be broadcasting live from noon to 3. Okay, I'm going to go and give old Hands a big bear hug. I'm going to lift him up in the air like he likes to do. Treat you like a rag doll. <laughs> break, Except I can't. Break your ribs. <laughs> he can do it to me. I can't do it to him. <laughs> All right, I got two, uh, two Shohei Otani stories for you. You ready? The star who transcends baseball on the one hand, you got Travis Kelsey over here with it's such a big deal. Every game, there's Taylor Swift in the in the really in the luxury suite. What you hadn't heard? No. But Shohei Otani, you actually didn't hear nothing about him, and suddenly he announces he's married. And he doesn't reveal who she is, and he says he's asking the media to refrain from conducting unauthorized interviews. Now I know you've been at spring training and you've seen the foreign media. If a player comes over from Japan and he's got the kind of following that Ichiro or Shohei or any of these other big stars have. Whomever. Really. Right. They're all big be, stars, just yeah, if they made there, it. There's a lot of big stars who've come over. There'll be tons of media after him. And those are just the ones who've traveled to a different continent. So imagine what the interest level would be like and the media presence would be like back in Japan. So he's asking the media to refrain from conducting unauthorized interviews. And I don't think he's talking to you and me. Because we don't care, no, oh, no, and we're not going to no. hunt it down. But in Japan, huge story. He totally kept it under wraps. And then he announces, the season well, is maybe, approaching, maybe, but I would like to announce to everyone that I've gotten married. Maybe he just did that 
Maybe it was under wraps here, but I don't know. He said his new wife is from Japan. He without identifying her, and he's going to reveal more in an interview Friday. So sweet Friday, yeah. Now find out uh, Shohei's lady. Yeah, there you go. Sweet. Yeah, sorry, ladies, he's off the market. He's twenty nine. He's labeled Jap Japan's biggest celebrity. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Shohei's not twenty nine, is he? Otani, comma twenty nine, comma already is Japan's biggest celebrity. I'm reading it straight out of. uh, it's an ESPN News Service site. So I, I, I assume it's an AP story, actually. Okay. Would be my I mean, guess. It came over a little later, I get it, but I still didn't. I, I would have thought maybe 27. I would have agreed with you. I just yeah. checked Wikipedia. July 5, 1994. Nice. So he is going to turn 30 during the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they grow up quick. It's there hard, it is. It's hard for me to believe that Bryce Harper will be 32 this year. <laughs> That's just, I saw him at twelve. I mean, that, that's unbelievable, but that's the way it is, and we all do that. I can't believe. Oh, he's that old. She's that old. Yeah, it happens. He put a photo out with this, but it's not of her. The photo uh, is a photo of his dog, and his dog is called. I know you're a big dog guy. Decoy, mm. which is I don't know. Decopin, I guess. Decopin. Is his dog uh, Japanese? <sighs> Don't know if he got the dog when he came stateside or if he got the dog when he was in Japan. I don't know. I told you, growing up in New Jersey, yeah, there was a guy, yeah, kid across did. the street, and they were from Cuba. Mm-hmm. It had always blew my mind that the dog responded in Spanish. <laughs> I couldn't, you I couldn't like, grasp that. I could not, no. Dogs speak English. No, they just react to the tone of your voice. Right. How does that dog know Spanish? <laughs> the, How old were you when you were trying to grasp this concept? Eight, nine, ten, <laughs> eleven, twelve. Yeah. Third grade PK. The yeah. dog speaks Spanish, right? Ma. Right. Right. The mom spoke no English. None whatsoever. Yeah. The kids, he had two kids, and one of them was a friend of mine. They were in American schools, so they spoke English. Mm-hmm. But when they spoke to the dog, it they was spoke always Spanish. Spanish. It always baffled me. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. How do you, why didn't I? No word on that. Dog should be speaking English. And then. The first time I covered Gonzaga mm-hmm. and Hachimura was there, mm-hmm. I remember walking down the hall after the game, and it was packed. And I'm thinking, what the heck? And it was all the Japanese media waiting outside the locker room for Hachimura to come out. And then they... And I ended up with a cool one-on-one with Mark Few. And I was talking to him about what it takes to build a program. And meanwhile, they're, yeah. <laughs> they're all like, who cares about the coach, man? Right. we got to talk to Rudy. And so I got I got a cool uh, one-on-one with Mark Few, and we were talking about the just the ways to build a program. Because at that point, he was very vocal about the Mountain West, or excuse mm-hmm. me, the West Coast, not being good enough. And how it was way more down. teams to build programs. Right, right, right. He was happy BYU was in the league because along with St. Mary's, that Absolutely. meant four good games. Right. And he was looking for six, eight, and ten. Right, right. And he, so he, he went wanted at, more of what the Mountain West has this year. Yeah. We were talking nothing about the game. It was it's all, all big picture stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we played it on the air and it was yeah. cool. And and meanwhile, over to our left, <laughs> everybody's waiting. We're like on, thirty people waiting on Rui Hachimura. On yeah. Hachimura, yeah. Uh, one other Shohei note here. Well, this isn't so much a note as speculation. He's now switched leagues, right? And he's a former AL MVP. Yes. And I saw Woody Page on one of the uh, ESPN Talking Head shows. And Woody was talking about there's only been one guy in the history of Major League Baseball who's won the MVP in both leagues, Frank, Frank Robinson, Robinson, 
right? And that's He's a big NBA fan. 50, you see him in a lot of Clipper games. 50, 60 years ago now that he pulls that off. Woody Page, 77. They don't go away. No. 77 years old, right? I looked that up too. I was thinking that when I saw him yesterday. And uh, he pointed out that Mookie Betts, another Dodger, also has an AL MVP. He does. And so it's not beyond the thought that there could be a race for the NL MVP, two Dodger teammates, already with AL MVPs you know, on the mantle, trying to match Robinson going head-to-head for it. Now, it may not work out that way. It's could be somebody else on another team. But well, I don't think Shohei will get it this year because he was also getting it for pitching. I think that went into him getting. Right. And he's and not so going to pitch this he'd, year. He'd have to go out and hit 60 homers. and or, Yeah, 140 ribs. Yeah, 50 homers and 140 ribs and yeah. bad 320. and Right. To have the but he's supposed OPS to pitch off the charts. next season. Which would give him a better odd because that's right. another way to contribute and dominate the game. Right. Yeah. So Woody threw that out there. Something to watch for. Two Dodger teammates who both realistically could still pull this off and match Frank Robinson. Well, for that matter, Freddie Freeman can get the freaking MVP. I mean, he's been in the National League yeah. the whole time, but he's right. he has an MVP. So he's very much capable of of doing that. Dodge, my, Dodgers have paid some big names. My money's on Tatiste. Oh, yeah? You're just saying that to get me going. <laughs> Your money's not on him. It's too out there. He's free spirit. Uh, sure, but he's got the ability. And if he would play 150 games and be healthy, he's got he's – a, he's an amazing ball player. And I think we're going to – the best for him is yet to come. DJ PK, when we come back, everything you missed in this show next, including Scotty G on the Aggies and the quest for an NCAA tournament win. It's been more than 20 years, and they've only got one in the last 50. We'll tell you about that and also Zach Wilson next. Stay with us. For all of you uh, less motivated listeners, it's time for your 9 o'clock. Where the heck have you been headlines? Where you at? With DJ and PK on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. I said, settle down, settle down, everything is fine. Take your eyes off the floor. She said, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, no, I'm not all right. DJ PK brought to you in part by America First Credit Union. Get the official debit card of the Utah Jazz, University of Utah Sports, or else I'll like more exclusively at America First Credit Union. Well, it's time to get you up to speed on all the things you missed in this show. 9 a.m. Slacker Radio Headlines brought to you by Tim Dolly Mazda Southdown. Find your new Mazda at the south end of the valley. Tim Dolly Mazda Southdown. That's Tim Dolly Mazda Southdown in Sandy. We had Scotty G on... One tournament win in 50 years, PK. Is this group going to be different? Will the Aggies break through in the NCAA tournament? Now, they got three regular season games to go. they got Air Force Friday night at home. You'll hear that game right here on The Zone. they got the conference tournament. Scotty said seven teams can win it. Uh, we were out of time, so I didn't have a chance to get into a debate with him on this, but I think he's wrong. I think it's six. Colorado State is three and seven on the road. Are they really going to win four games in a row in Las Vegas? No. They're not. Yeah, but it's not on the road. It's not. But they're still Unless not going to play win. Vegas. Right. But I just don't buy that CSU is going to win four and games. In I a row. neither do I, but I mean, it's possible. 
He, he was making a point. He was the depth a point. of the league. The, the league is deep, and the other six teams. All right, I don't buy the Lobos, but that's still five teams, and that's still deep. New Mexico's dangerous. It's it's a it is a great league this year. They need to toot their own horn and do all that stuff because they've earned the right, as far as I'm concerned. And played, but they've had some great games too. And fans love great games, no matter what you're rooting for. Uh, and I think to answer your question. Uh, your statement, can they do it? Yes. I, I, th- I think it's legitimate. The, the players that they have, I don't know that they're playing above their capability. It's not a fluke is what I'm saying. Osibor is a Mack truck. 6'8", 250. <laughs> it's legit. Yeah. And he plays with a lot right. of energy. And yes. not all guys that size do. And it's it and it's oversimplifying. It's, it's a big ask. But it is. He has it's, a big ass. It's different. Hey, it's different than asking a, a six foot guard to run around out there and play right. hard. And Brown, and Martinez, these guys are seniors, and that counts for something. Maybe they got another year left. I don't know. I don't know what all that's about. <laughs> I don't think but Brown. Players. I don't think Brown does. I think he's three schools and six years deep into this. They're players, man. They're not flukish players. I think, and and they have a way that translates the style that they need can give them success in three weeks and they can get any, any team really can well, lose any game those so you listed all that. you listed all the reasons that they can win and they will probably be in a 6 11 7 10 8 9 game and we know those games are pretty close to toss-ups very slight edge to the better seed in those matchups historically Scotty listed the reasons they would lose when he went to too many turnovers, too many missed free throws. I mean, given how many close games are in the NCAA and given the way teams foul at the end of college games, if you're not a good free throw shooting team, well, there's the obvious Achilles right there. We've seen a lot of games lost in the NCAA tournament because people can't make free throws. Their guards will make them if they're in that situation. I hope they do win. For sure, I hope they do win. Absolutely. Another game, something that's only happened once and all the time we've been here. The program right now isn't an underdog program this year, the team, but the program is. And so it's – I hesitate to call them a little guy, uh, but they're not perceived as having success. If, if you have one NCAA tournament win in 50 years, which is what they have, then if you win a game in the tournament, it's a really big deal. It should be celebrated. The fans are certainly going to enjoy it. They've sat through enough frustrating NCAA tournament losses. Why wouldn't they lose their mind and go nuts? You know, doing a deep run and doing what San Diego State did, that seems really unlikely for any Mountain West school. It's hard to believe they pulled it off. The Mountain West, as Scotty documented, has a lousy NCAA tournament record over the last five years. And and they got hurt because the 2020 tournament that didn't happen it looked like they had two teams poised to oh, to did. win a game sure. or two in that tournament maybe they could have had two sweet 16 teams and we'll never know well but nonetheless they had multiple pros yes nonetheless the conference needs some wins out of these six teams that look like they got a shot to get it does in. there's a lot of pressure on them when they get there because they're going to get a bunch of teams maybe more than ever and then they look for validation yep so they've got to find a way somebody's got to, to break through to get that and then they'll put up the graphics on television yeah and you don't want your leg there oh and six one and six no not at all not at all because this is a league that isn't going anywhere you know what I mean what do you mean I don't know exactly well there's not if Washington State and Oklahoma State or, or Oregon State break it up reloading the pac 12 yeah but then they're just gonna go over here. 
Some of them, yeah. I mean, there's been talk. One plan is they'll take six teams and build an eight-team league and call it good. That'd be awesome. Utah State yeah. in the Pac-12? Or Pac-8? Uh, Go back to the Pac-8? Well, we'll see if, if Utah State's one of the teams that gets across the I line. I understand that. They yeah. may not be. I get that. Right. There's a, there's two or three locks, and then it's open season after that, and maybe the Aggies well, are in, and maybe they're lock? Are. Vegas? San Diego State, Boise State, and Fresno State are the three I've read. Okay, what about Vegas? Because you're not. They'd be open season trying to get in, and maybe they really? would. Really? Maybe they would. I think they'd be a lock. Yeah. Okay. I'm so. not doing for any great athletic accomplishments. No, it's a. It's Vegas. You can play your conference basketball tournament there. You can play a football title well, game you can there. Play it without it. Right. There's no Pac-12 team in Vegas. And Big 12 holding its media days there. There's no Big 12 team, so you can do whatever you want. West Coast, there's no. Vegas still brings whack. Vegas still brings a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's four tournaments in there, and there's only one that has a <laughs> one UNLV with has yeah. an anchor. Right. Everybody else just goes for Vegas. So that would be four, and then it's everybody else is scrapping for two spots. You know, CSU wants in. Ah, uh, yeah. Utah State I, I just wants think in. that they ought to go there instead of you come here. I get it. We'll see how maybe and maybe that'll happen. We'll see how it plays out. I don't think anybody really knows. You were just telling me there's uh, the new Pac-2 commissioner has a media availability, which will be. Big in Corvallis and oh, great! I can't wait for Canzano. She told me <laughs> that, that's probably coming. Yeah, <laughs> I just think if I'm that, I just why don't you guys just come over here? It's it's not a bad league, and I don't think it's a disgrace and a huge step it. down. It's pro- I think it's more about the money. That now you're splitting the money fourteen ways. It's going to be about the same paycheck. Why not just split it eight ways? And what does uh, how many people are Wyoming and New Mexico bring into the party? And it's Hawaii's expensive. And why don't we just do without some of these teams? What is San Jose adding? I mean, I can see some of the teams that get cut out. I think I think Utah State's in kind of a gray area whether they get in or not. If that's the plan that happens, and I wonder if they took Vegas, would they then take Reno? And then then you get into the whole politics, right? Yeah. Are San Diego and Fresno going to be forced to leverage San Jose into the league? So then what does the Mountain West do? Take Montana State and Weber? Or a handful of Texas teams? You know, the Texas states of the world? North Texas has been mentioned? Yeah, I don't know. Do the Dakota schools want to uh, to up their game? They're largely dominating at the level they're at. There's four of them. How many of them would want to make a move? And I think there's a bunch of schools in Texas. UTSA, North Texas, Texas State. That's three off the top of my head. UT San Antonio. UTSA. Grand Valley. (laughs) I don't know if they'll make the move. It seems a little bigger jump. Hoops today. Are you ready? It starts at 3 o'clock. The Utah women playing Washington State. Washington State 6-10 and 10 in conference, Utah 10-6, and 6, set up for Utah to beat Washington State, and then Washington 22-8 and 8 going to the conference tournament. They need these wins. They're battling. Will they be a five seed and have to play a second-round game on the road in the NCAA tournament? The top 16 teams host. They got to host last year. I would say probably. They're probably on the road. The conference is so good, but I can't guarantee it. Maybe they have a good run in the conference tournament and they end up with a four seed based on what some well, of these other teams do as well. Okay, but how about with the NCAA tournament being here? Is that going to hurt them? Yeah, it's it's not at the Huntsman Center. It's at Delta Center. 
the Delta Center. <laughs> I'll go the. Well, I'm not going the. <laughs> okay, it's too Ohio State-ish. Yeah. Makes your skin crawl. It do. Ick. It's a doubleheader, 3 o'clock. The women play Washington State. Then at 6 o'clock, the Utah men are playing. 16 and 11 now. They're at home. They got a chance to win this. I think Cal and Stanford are coming in. They could sweep this weekend and then split with the Oregon schools next week. Be 19 and 12, looking for win number 20 going to the conference tournament. And that's not bad progression. And then we'll have to see what the roster does because they've got guys that They're can an come older and team. go. Yeah. And, and Carlson is gone. We know that. Uh, Brandon won. Uh, and, but then they can get some, get some transfers. And it'll be interesting to see what they can do as far as recruiting in the Big 12. You know, Khalifa said, I didn't know anything about Mormons, but when I heard Big 12, that's all I needed to know. And obviously he came because of that. So yep. they'll be in the Big 12 next year, and, and they'll add to it. Uh, I know there's some frustration with Utah basketball. I get it, especially if you're over 40. Uh, you, you you get the, the great history that they've had. But if they can do what you just said, to me, that's a form of progression. Stanford tonight, Cal on the weekend. Stanford is 630. Stanford's 12 and 15, and Utah is 16 and 11. But Stanford's 7-10 in conference. Utah's 7 and 9 in conference. So they're right there, the whole seeding thing. Who do you play in the conference tournament? They're 12 and 2 at home, man. So beat Stanford today, beat Cal on the weekend, and then head off to the Oregon schools. That'll be the plan for the men. So the women at 3, the men at 630. And the Utah Jazz... Right here on the zone, pregame at 4, tip-off at 5. The Utah Jazz are in Orlando playing a magic team that's in a wild race in the East. Four teams separated by a half game from 5th place to 8th place, and they are in that mix. They are currently the team a half game back in 8th. A model hit on draft picks, and eventually you will be good. Now, I don't think that Jazz fans want to wait as long as Magic fans have had to wait. No, but when they've hit on picks... Then it's taken off. I get that. I get what you're saying there. That's for sure. But when they've hit uh, on their draft selections, they've they've done well. Now th- that's sort of a duh. And when they haven't hit, they sucked. And so you look at Black. You know they had two first round picks this year, Howard and Black. And those guys are so young. I mean they're so freaking young that I'm not sure what they'll develop. Orlando's missed three playoffs, three years in a row they've been out of the playoffs, and nine of the last 11. But That's quite the dry spell. And they've had a, they've had a number of picks. But Boncaro, they had one, and that's a hit. Rookie was, of the year, baby. He was the number one pick. Yep. And so he, he's good. A black at six, check back. Too, too early. Too early to forecast. I thought Suggs would be a little bit better. They took him at five. I loved him at Gonzaga. Now, the Wagner kid, uh, would he go to Michigan, was it? He was like eight, and he's a player. Cole Anthony, I think he was middle of the round, 15. He's okay for there. I'd have to go back and see, you know, who was uh, drafted after those guys. I'm not sure about that. Orlando's on a uh, good little run right here. They are 10-4 and four in their last 14 games. And they won four out of five with a win over Cleveland in that stretch. Well, so. they started well. Yeah, I don't think Mitchell was there. They started well, 
and then they went in a little slump, and now they've rebounded. Ironically, their one loss in the last five games was to Atlanta, the same team that just lit the Jazz up by 27, and Atlanta beat them by 17. Wow, Atlanta, they're dangerous. <laughs> no one can really take that seriously, but thank you. Did you know in 2002, Orlando traded the draft rights to Curtis Borchard to the Jazz for the draft rights of Ryan Humpy, Humphrey and Jamal Sampson? Nope. That's I a forgettable I did not remember that. We hear about those, that trade was a win-win. <laughs> so that trade was a lose-lose. I don't even remember who Ryan Humphrey and Jamal Sampson are. I know Borchard because he played at Stanford and the Jazz drafted him and he had foot issues. That'll give you something to do during the break. I, I won't do it. Yeah, you could. I'm, I'm going to go to the bathroom. We talked about Zach Wilson. The Rams, best scenario. But there's no perfect scenario. I don't know that if, there is. Yeah, I don't know there's a guarantee that if he goes and sits behind uh, whomever it might be, in uh, this case, obviously Stafford. Will he get to play in that system for that coach? And that, and that when it, his time comes at 26, 27, that he's going to hit the ground. I hope so. Like the kid. Hope so. I've heard great things about the fam. My wife taught some of his uh, siblings and said they were great kids. Rams seem like, the le- seem like the leader. I think the Niners and Chiefs, there's some obvious uh, strengths there. I think places like Denver and Minnesota, there's a certain logic to it. A little bigger roll of the dice for those teams. Um, well, I, th- I, I actually think anywhere they have an established quarterback. Anywhere. Cardinals. Anywhere. I would say about Chargers. half. About half the oh, Chargers is a good one. There, there's a coach who, because he's brand new, ought to be there a while. And he's got a good record with quarterbacks. And bringing them along, we saw that in San Francisco. Yeah, the one hitch is he is behind a younger guy who ought to be there for a so while. So what? Injuries could clear the way for you to play, or you get your education there, but then you go get your starting job somewhere else. You go get your grad degree. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen? Uh, it's the NFL, man. Quarterbacks every two or three years. There's going to be a lot of change. Right. Just a ton of change, and I think some of the change in this off season. Where is Cousins going to sign, and how long is he going to sign for? If he signs a one-year deal in Minnesota, they got a younger coach, and he was a quarterback in college, and they seem to have a pretty good offense and some good receivers around you, so that's a positive. And if Cousins is there for one year, and man, maybe maybe that's an opportunity. I think actually, the now that I've thought about it, the best spot, Giants. <laughs> yeah, stay in New York, <laughs> stay under the glare. Safe stadium. So if the Jets are option 32, <laughs> the Giants are option 31. Let's go from the bottom up. Then the Patriots, because you're still in the division, brand new coach. Oh, Josh Arnold, to go back up. Or Allen, go back up him. 30. That's situation 30. <laughs> Get away from the AFC East. Get away from the East. No, don't do the, the Northeast. Don't go to the Dolphins or Bills. Cause yeah, don't go to with, Philly. Don't go to Baltimore. Half the league has established Washington. quarterbacks, and the other half, if they're not in the market now, they will be soon. Right. So yeah, with yeah. taking Miami and Buffalo off the plate, now you go from 16 to 14 jobs. Yeah, but as long as you got one of them. And I think you'll have one of them. I don't, I don't think he should be given up yet. Given up on, I guess. Well, yet. you had a comparison to a former Oregon Duck quarterback you liked. Marcus Mar- Mariota, who I thought was just awesome in college uh, and hasn't really panned out. 
you know, was a high pick, the second pick of Tennessee. He's now on his fourth team, Philly, but he's still in the league. Has it been a decade now, though? Uh, yeah, 2015, I think he came out. Was it? Somewhere in there? Closing in then. Yeah. Maybe. That's a good long run. Like you said, steady paychecks. All right, TJ and PK, that's a lot of what we have been talking about. The Lakers beat the Clippers. Will the Clippers ever get it right in L.A.? They were shorthanded, but nonetheless, the Lakers again. When we come back, your feedback next. Stay with us. And now, enough of us. It's time to hear from you. From all your texts, tweets, and posts. This is the best feedback of the day. Oh, I was there. It's the best game of my life. With DJ and PK on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. DJ and PK, it is time for your feedback. Everything you had to say about today's show. Cal, we were talking about revitalizing downtown. I don't know about revitalizing. Wouldn't it be more vitalizing? It sounds like they want to build up like the area 3rd to 6th west. Is that revitalized? I don't know. Cal says the effect that sports stadiums have on a city cannot be measured in just dollars. Cultural impact is real. I agree with that. Signed, all Charger fans from San Diego. Cultural pride, unification. Yeah. You name it. A lot of positives. I hope it happens. Youths for life. Serious question. Do you guys ever have any youth interviews on this show? Not including Dolce. I think this is the 15th day on my day. I'm uh, 15th day on my way to work where it's a BYU interview. Pathetic. That was a BYU interview today. Greg Rebell. Oh, this morning in the in the morning. If he drove in early in the morning, gotcha. Well, we shouldn't have. They, they didn't do anything this week. We shouldn't talk to them. Well, I hate the Utes. <laughs> you do not. I hate everything about them. You do not. They're classless. You hate them ever since you were born. You know, a little Morgan. No, you're missing. You're mixing Morgan with I Max. I am. I am. Eminem. <laughs> I hate everything about them. They poured beer on my dog. <laughs> <laughs> Use for Life will try to go up there and uh, get some more uh, two-minute interviews with somebody screaming, last question, at the two- or three-minute mark. <laughs> Don't wake me up. Uh, they've got uh, spring ball starts not next week, but the week after. All right. <laughs> but when does BYU start? Today. <laughs> Today. Of BYU sound tomorrow morning. Oh, I see. Good news. Good news, Use for Life. More Cougars coming tomorrow. Had Nagy on today. The men's basketball team, it's too bad it's not better and didn't provide a, a better story and bigger no, wins. It's not over yet. No, it's not. But actually, I, but I, they've got a losing record I, in a bad league. I mean, it, it's being forecast as a two bid league right now. I understand. The amount of time that I think I was thinking about this here fairly recently, ironically enough, mm-hmm. that we have spent talking Utah football since we first started the show till now. Man, you can't even put a percentage on the amount of increase. Increased dramatically. Yeah. It increased a lot. so. It increased a lot from the day we started in 2002 until 2010 because you looked like, well, we started and it's the spring ball that um, Mac is still there, right? Getting ready to go into his last season, 2002. 
And so Urban comes, Fiesta Bowl, Kyle gets hired, Sugar Bowl into the Pac-12. And then with BYU going independent and not being as big a story, and Utah and the Pac-12 growing, look at the amount of time we've spent in the last 10 years on Utah football. But I get the last, uh, you know, the last two months, BYU's been winning more. They've been the bigger, more interesting story in the better league. But I appreciate his his interest, assuming it's a, a male. They'll be back, Utes for life. And he wants more Ute talk. I'm, I'm okay with that. You recognize the mountain? Look at that. That's his photo. It's pretty scenic right there. But I can't, I can't tell you where it is. Well, when you find out, ask him. Where's that mountain? DJ and PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. Jake and Ben are leaning against the wall in the next studio. They're ready to go. They're going to sprint in here and take over. Next, right here on The Zone.